everyone. Uh, this is Stella Odom, uh, the producer creator of Syntax uh, for Twin Strangers Productions. And I am here with, do you want to introduce yourself? Certainly. Uh, I am Ty Vaughn. I am the writer and the voice actor for Silas Caldwell on the show. And I am here to ruin your day with spoilers and false answers. <laughs> He doesn't mean that, I promise. <laughs> I absolutely 100% mean that. Look me straight in the eye and see that I mean that. Uh, I can't. We're over We're over computer. But Spoiler time, baby. Spoiler time. We're over computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is going to be our Q&A for the season one of Syntax. Um, we finished season one about a month ago, actually. I, gosh. At, at the time of recording where... It, it's uh, right after Thanksgiving in the U.S. And um doesn't feel like it's been that long already, but it definitely has. <laughs> it definitely ended yesterday. I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Right, exactly. <laughs> but we are basically wanting to do a Q&A kind of talking about the first season. We had a form that we sent out to our social medias in the sorts to gather questions from y'all and see exactly what you were wondering about the first season or the production of Syntax or Twin Strangers Productions as a whole. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty psyched. How are you feeling, Ty? I still can't believe that we're here, to be honest. I can't either. <laughs> I absolutely cannot believe that we've gotten this far with Syntax, that we've been able to... um actually get questions from people i thought we were going to send the form out and no one was going to ask us anything everybody was just going to be like case. we understand everything everything is clear as crystal i already understand where the story's going this is unoriginal as all get out but it turns out that's not <laughs> the was, case it was either going to be that or just no responses at all <laughs> like and and the only reason there were no responses was because people didn't actually care nobody but, cares about these breachers yeah, surprisingly, a lot of people care about the breachers, which is great. Shocking number. We care about the breachers a lot, too, clearly. We are uh, a little obsessed with our show and with our characters, too, I think, don't you think? Just a touch. <laughs> just a touch obsessed. Just a touch, you might say. It's, it's just a healthy obsession where we can kind yeah, of yeah, healthy put, put it into the show. You know, we're not taking anything away from it. If they drink green shakes, then it's healthy for us to consume It's them. healthy for us. Yeah. You are what you eat. Yeah, we don't do anything that's unhealthy. Like if one of them smoked cigarettes, if they were even able to get cigarettes, we wouldn't be doing that at least. Mm, true. But I doubt Bo lets them have cigarettes anyway. Bo brings the smoke show all on her own, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what we did for the QA is we uh put out different questions regarding different subjects for season one of syntax. So um, our first category that we put out was basically plot related questions. Now, obviously with some of these questions, we can't expand upon them a lot because there are more seasons to come. There's going to be more content for y'all and just a lot more syntax in general. So we don't want to spoil it for y'all and we know y'all don't want to be spoiled. So we're going to try to limit our answers on some of the more less spoiler friendly. No, Ty, Ty will also <laughs> <laughs> limit his, his answers. But uh, yeah, we have a few questions for the plot. Um, so with our 
uh, Patreon and Kofi, we do have um, basically like a system where whoever is a Kofi or Patreon sub uh, gets to ask, like be the first to ask questions. We clearly that's if kind of we have more than intended, which we do have quite a lot. So I don't know. Five pages. Yeah, we have five <laughs> pages of questions. I don't know how many we'll be able to go through, but we're going to try to go through them all. And if, you know, some of them are a little redundant, then we'll skip them and we'll be like, oh, we answered that previously, we think. But yeah. Um, so we're going to give it the old ado, college try. Yeah, the old college try. Really get in there. The old breacher try, you know. Um, so yeah, first... <laughs> First first category we have is going to be our plot questions. Uh, so the juicy ones. The juicy juicy plot of syntax. We know uh no one no one loves our characters clearly so like everyone's here for the plot only. True. Um true. so you know it's just just for that, right? So these are the best questions clearly. It's not like we have 70 questions for our characters or anything. Fair point. Okay, so these first sets of questions, I'm just going to name the people who asked them once because um, if we had a lot of people put in a bunch of questions mm -hmm. uh, for the same person, which is totally fine. It's I, I wanted y'all to ask as many questions as possible, so it's great. But I'm only going to say the person who asked them once um, until we're done with their questions for the category. Does that make sense to you, Ty? That makes sense. Cool. Okay. I didn't know you were going to name who mentioned it at all i was just gonna leave them anonymous they knew who asked yeah it, it's more of like <laughs> they put their name if they didn't want to be anonymous so ah i see okay. yeah yeah so um our first uh set of questions is going to be from one of our kofi patreon supporters rain um he has a lot of questions in here <laughs> yes he does uh many questions uh, but the first we can go with is why go with the Acadian culture for the show? Um, just to expand on that a little bit. The book that Silas is uh, translating, the the translatable part of the book, rather, is in Acadian. So that's the language that we chose to give him a little bit of, you know, help with the language. True. Uh, true. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? So why did we or? choose that? <laughs> Um, <laughs> are you asking me? Is this, yeah, is yeah, this yeah. A stellar question. What was the what was the Acadian reasoning there? Um, so whenever we created syntax, um, I guess I kind of I knew I wanted a linguist. I knew I wanted it to be about an an ancient language of some sort. Um, ancient languages are too cool. Yeah, they really are. I I've always been really inspired by linguistics and the whole you know, formation of language as a whole. Um, and I really wanted something old and something not well known. You know, we, we got to make our main character a little special sometimes, you know, it's like the protagonist chosen one aspect, but not so much chosen one. Cause it's, there are other people who know Acadian. There are other people who study Acadian because it is one of the oldest, um, cuneiform languages but um yeah i just i found it we found it when we were researching and i it really stuck with me as far as like the time period and everything as well as like the 
the point of the plot, like why it's in that time period and everything, which has not been revealed, but um, it really just kind of did everything for us. And also it's just, it's, 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 it's an interesting language. I really liked looking it up and kind of researching what it looks like and everything. Very good point. So. <laughs> what about you? Did you have any did you have any inspiration from Acadian on your side? I, I'm gonna be perfectly, perfectly honest with you, and this definitely needs to stay in the video. I just wanted uh -huh. to hear you try and BS your way out of going, why Acadian? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have reasons, okay? This is true. I this remember, true. I you remember. When we sat down and did all the world building stuff, we mm -hmm. definitely thought really hard about which civilization we should go off of because yeah. there's a lot of options when you're thinking about ancient civs. If yes. you want to portray the idea of antiquity in the show, like, you know, I, you could go with like Egyptian, you could go with like forms of Chinese mm -hmm. that are more ancient. There's, you know, a lot of cultures that are in the same time span. Um around the Akkadian time. But Akkadian was interesting, as you said, because it's one of the first examples of a written, uh, not even necessarily hieroglyphic, but actually cuneiform, like actual alphabet usage uh, language. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it has a lot of aspects in it that other cultures weren't going to offer to the specific things that we were looking at. The, the, the way that it's a dual language book works right. kind of like a Rosetta Stone, but obviously the Rosetta Stone was for Egyptian. Now you have mm -hmm. something where you have a similar kind of, not self-translating, but something that you can draw from text. I forget, there's a specific word for that in linguistics, but we could use that and be like, okay, there's a couple of oddities going on here that have already been presented in the show, so we don't have to like explain mm -hmm. why yet, but you already latch onto it. Akkadian ceased to be spoken and you know somewhere around i think from my reading it was somewhere around 500 yeah, uh, I before bce so mm -hmm. not many people were still using it and now you've got this book that outdates the akkadian culture and language by 1500 years mm -hmm. somebody bothered to actually translate it and maintain it for that period of time and keep it the way it was they didn't even like bother translating it into some more modern language like you know if you're talking a thousand ad you could have turned it into some kind of italian maybe some kind of french mm -hmm. you know some some language that was developing during the medieval period if it was you know being translated in europe or even wherever it may have been ended up somebody must have shown care to keep up the text but then they didn't bother to update it to some kind of modern lingua franca yeah. what what's the deal with that and Akkadian helped us to do that because if you chose something else like Egyptian or Chinese, like I said, you could mm -hmm. reasonably say, oh, well, maybe it was just like kind of a hand me down, like an old style language that just kept being translated. But with Akkadian, you have this clear demarcation point where like people it stop speaking off. it. Yeah. And now it's still here. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes a point of it being an, an older text, something that's not. Something that's not easily found or easily, you know, and why hold on to talked it? about? Right, exactly. There's there's Mysteries. a lot of lore tied to this mm -hmm, <laughs> as mm -hmm. well. <laughs> yeah, so, I, we didn't choose the Acadian just kind of off the cuff. I don't think. No, like, definitely we, we not. We had to it look was, really hard and be like, this one is the one that's going to work. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a purposeful decision for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> 
I, great, great answers from us. Woo. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, Ty, do you want to go with the next question? Sure, sure. Uh, another plot question comes in, says, what were some of your biggest inspirations for the show? Stella, would you like to answer this question? <laughs> Hornet, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> um, so a big reason why I made Syntax uh, is because... I had just finished listening to the Magnus Archives. I'm sure everyone in the audio drama community knows that name by now. Um, and if you haven't, then that's fine too. But it's one of the more well-known horror pieces in the audio drama universe. Um, by Love Rusty it, Quill. like it, or hate it. It's yes. very... Uh, yeah, like you said, very popular and it mm -hmm. definitely launches a lot of ships because sometimes your response to it can, whether positive or negative, can make you decide to get into this and make your own thing. Yes, plans. yes, because a lot of times you'll, you'll, uh, in my, in my experience of like growing up and seeing other things made, I've always been one of those people who are like, I wonder if I could do that my way. So I would say, uh, Magnus Archives for sure. Uh, Night Vale, I listen to a lot as well, pretty extensively. Um, there's also some media uh, inspirations as well. Uh, I know everyone jokes about like Atlantis, uh, the Disney movie, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, I wondered if you were going to be brave enough to say I, the word. I don't mind. I don't mind. I think people are free to be inspired by things for sure. Um, That's true. That's true. But yeah, it, other than that, if we're not talking about media perspectives of, of inspiration either, I would say COVID is probably a big inspiration. <laughs> the feeling of being locked down, but having yeah, to delve inward to find new worlds. It really is kind of like once you're put into that zone, which I've always been an introvert, but you know, once you're put into that zone where you you're kind of forced to stay in a place or, you know, not able to do life as quote unquote, you normally did. Um, even if you are introverted, I definitely feel like that played a role in my wanting to create something and like wanting to found something that would be meaningful to other people. So I would for say sure, for sure. that. <laughs> what about you, Ty? Do you have any inspirations in your writing? Person. I always love a good adventure story, you know, mm -hmm. going back yeah. to found uh, family stories the, as well. Definitely, definitely. Some of the classic novels, uh storybooks that I would read like uh Treasure Island mm -hmm. or like uh I'm trying to think of like specific examples. I cuz in my family we had like a bunch of classic books. Mm -hmm. We didn't have like the latest novels, but we would have things like, oh, like Count of Monte Cristo and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those stories, I think, have uh, they'll say in like writing terms, some of the older adventure novels deal a lot with like nature versus yeah. the characters as opposed sure. to looking to other forces and being able to do it in like a horror show in this aspect, obviously there's going to be a lot of character interactions and things like that. But I really liked that kind of people versus wild mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. where, you know, we have clear influences in the show where it's not like the critters in the breach are enemy, but it mm -hmm. is the forces that we're up against that we're trying to overcome during our explorations, during trying to find out more about what's going on. 
and it's kind of a kind of a survival adventure yeah. story right yeah, like for sure it's, there's a big aspect to that and i've always enjoyed that because i've always enjoyed that as well for sure yeah we don't have to focus on like a big darth vadery kind of person as mm -hmm. good as that is in certain situations this now is for something example, where it's darth a lot vader. more nebulous yeah for example darth vader. <laughs> obviously it's done well in other media and it's not like i hate it in particular but it's always neat when you can make the problem something that's not personalized Yes. We have personal problems in the show, Bo. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you. That's wrong. <laughs> but, and you know, like, even some of our characters can be, yeah. you know, jackasses sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the biggest problem are things like, you know, well, I, are we are we doing season one spoilers for this? Like, I can mention specific yeah. characters in season yeah, one? Yeah, season one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the uh, things like the, the Thunderbird or mm -hmm. like the moth creatures or even like Acid Nessie. All of these things are obstacles in the way that they have to find ways around without necessarily eradicating it. You know, we have Cassius as the lead for a very specific reason, because we want somebody who's a little more conscientious of that. And it isn't just yeah. like, load them up, put the shotguns in the right. back, we're blowing our way through everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely wanted it to be like, not in... not a totally, oh yeah, we're just going to use our gun and shoot everything on site because we're awful people kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's, a little a little indiana jones without as much yeah. reliance on like pistols and stuff like mm -hmm. you're still going to get a lot of the survival aspect and a lot of the adventure and like traps and things like that that are going to spring on you but it's not like you know i mean we may end up punching nazis later who knows that might knows? be down the road for cassius that would definitely yeah, be something they absolutely. would do but if, for now it's like you know get a get a rope and climb up the tree and save the linguist kind of vibe and that's yeah and I've, i very much appreciate that much kind fun. of thing too because it's like it, it puts everyone in a situation where they have to be up against one common force you know it's not even like exactly. if if we're being honest it's not really it it could also be vo vincula with the breachers against everything that's found in the breach right i wouldn't even definitely, say it's, definitely it's all the time just breachers against nature it's everyone in the story against nature or what what's <laughs> being found in these breaches so i think that's super cool because it, it gives you a lot more room to explore as well i some of the best parts in the story for me are are some of the things that are like found in the breaches like where it's um, you know, certain creatures or certain specimens that they're collecting or finding and they're making a report on them. I love those moments just because it's so interesting to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So anyway, before I completely bring everything off topic, uh, <laughs> let's go to the I, next question. <laughs> I was noticing the next question and that's why I didn't bring up the other yes. half of the antagonistic side yet because yes. we clearly don't just have versus nature in mind right right there so, is another aspect so ty is looking at the next question which is why did you decide to make the relationship with vincula and Vo antagonistic so mm. love a big corpo love a big evil corpo with one like figurehead kind of thing kind of vibe you know i've always liked evil corpo stuff because it's not to say it's you know, too common, but it's definitely in real life as well. So I think a lot of people can uh, empathize with it. And it's just like it's an, an easy interesting trope thing to, to latch onto. 
in this yeah, day and age. It's, isn't it's, it? it's, a, it's a really interesting to explore thing to explore. And you can also kind of live vicariously through the people who are going against those kind of companies and all that kind of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how in depth we want to get with this one, Ty, because there are some lore stuff. Good point. Good point. I mean, the only other thing I would say is that any time you involve a corporation whose bottom Mm -hmm. line is just like profit, yeah, it always begs the question: Why are they bothering with something that seems more almost historical in nature? Yeah, like why Mm -hmm. get into the museum or artifact business in the first place? And obviously, within the first couple episodes, you realize that the breaches are a lot more than they seem. Mm -hmm. The, you know, there's a lot more to the book and things like that. But why even start that? Right. And why continue with it unless there's something else going on? And doing that through the eyes of a corporation was an interesting way to explore that, as opposed to Mm -hmm. having it be more like there's always something a little bit unbelievable about just ordinary people trying to pull something like this off. Absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, imagine this show, but it's six ordinary people who just find this thing and decide to become Mm -hmm. the breachers because they just go and do it. That may be possible, you know? It works in some settings, but for the most part, it's like somebody really influential is going to see that this thing is very different, very supernatural almost be very interested in it and start trying to plummet's deaths and try to find people who would be willing to look into it. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you said, in a lot of media, you're going to see a big evil corpo and you're going to be like, okay, the big evil corpo is just going to have a bunch of faceless people mm-hmm. performing the tasks for them. But in fact, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of ordinary folks who are just like, oh, yeah, it's my day job right, doing exactly. this kind of stuff. And we have this aspect developed. It's like, you know, Vincula is clearly just bottom line kind of company looking at the dollar bills, mm-hmm. but we're looking at the individual lives of the people they pick up to do something nefarious and are like, okay, how can we influence that? What is our part in this? Well, how do mm-hmm. we explore that? And it's always comes off antagonistic because sometimes that doesn't align. You know, every, yeah. everybody, everybody wants their daily bread. Everybody wants to put food on the table, but also what might that come at cost for mm-hmm, right what mm-hmm. what what is that going to entail when you start digging into it what are our characters going to have to do in the name of science or in the name of profit or in the name of themselves or in the name of goodness or evil or what whatever we're going to explore vincula is going to be pushing really hard on all of them to figure out what that's going to be what their influences are or motivations are rather mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely so a short answer Vinculo bad. <laughs> Vinculo bad. Vinculo like money. Vinculo make like you go money. do things. But also, Vinculo have money to why? burn. Why? Why Vinculo make you do things? <laughs> things? Things to ponder for y'all, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Ty, next question. Sure. Uh, what folklore inspired you the most? This is a good question. This is a really good <laughs> this one. This is a good question. Because we, we talked a little bit about like modern or mm-hmm. even classical inspiration, but now what are the what are the oh. grandma tales that made us want to do this? So I'm not sure if y'all can tell, but I like cryptids a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um quite a few of our creatures are inspired by uh, mostly like American or even like England, UK area um, 
cryptids, right? Stuff stuff that we're familiar with. We have like the uh, Camelic ape, which is our our version of a Bigfoot story. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Asinesi or uh, Titan Plesiosaur, which is our version of um, Loch Ness monster. Like there's mm-hmm. there's quite a few cryptids that are that are definitely set for inspirations from the show. Um, but I just I just love finding different cryptids and different like creatures that might not necessarily be explored a lot in uh creepypastas or in like old wives tales there's a lot of stuff that you can just find from people's imagination and then um get inspired by it honestly like uh, some of the creatures we made up entirely by ourselves too like or or had like a foundation from a creature but then we just took it on its head and kind of spun it so um i would say you know just a lot of the cryptid stories from around the world but as well as creepy pastas and just our own horrors of the night really <laughs> <laughs> but i have to re-ask the question because i feel like okay. it was pointed at which one, if you had to pick one, would inspire you the most? Mm, one like folklore. Mm-hmm. Because we do know that Stella be loving a cryptid story. I and do. You did mention a couple that came out right yeah. away, but so I feel there's like... one in particular that I always mm-hmm. think about a lot um, because it it deeply unsettles me. <laughs> um, oh. it's a so it's it's a book based on Grimm's fairy tales I don't know if it's actually by the Brothers Grimm's or if it's like um a a spinoff of that but it's basically a retelling of um what are the two twins who go in the woods and they get eaten by the witch Hansel and Gretel Gretel. yeah it's a it's a retelling of Hansel and Gretel and basically what happens in the book it, uh, by the way, I will probably know the name of this in just a little bit, but like I, it escapes me right now. Um, basically, in the book, it's another Hansel and Gretel situation. So it's these two siblings, um, and they're dumped off in the woods by their parent figure, um, and they find the witch in the woods. So it, it goes the same way in that aspect. But the witch... Um, basically does it differently than like putting them in a pot and stewing them up for dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, She kind of like locks them in cages and she's got this cat that has her eyes. So her face actually doesn't have any eyes. She's like eyeless void kind of thing. Um, And her cat is the one who watches for all of the mishappenings and everything around her. Uh, around her house and it's actually like an underground facility that she has it is crazy i'm a hundred percent sure now that i'm talking about it that it could have been a fever dream (laughs) (laughs) i was about to say is this either some kind of scp spinoff or (laughs) no it's i grim's retold it was definitely a book because i remember it had multiple stories in the book um, but that was one that like stays with me, uh, for, for a lot of reasons, just because of the whole creepy vibe. I remember there were like some spider webs involved, which if y'all know me, you know, I hate spiders. Um, actual arachnophobia, actual arachnophobia. I've but, seen yeah. it in action. Yes. Roots to the spot. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been, 
that that story in particular is one that that does inspire me a lot as far as folklore specific goes. Um, also, other than that, uh, I love tales of shadow people. Um, shadow people in particular mm. is one that I always am drawn to. Probably Strangers not the, the best of thing. Your eye. Yeah. Um, I don't have night paralysis, but I feel like if I did, it would definitely be a shadow creature kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and that was one of our first stories that we explored. So I was really happy to do that as one of the primary uh, creatures for Silas as well. True. That so. kind of that just kind of turned into Silas's origin story, didn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Very yeah, good. I very much like some shadow people vibes. These these are good answers. These are good answers. <laughs> I feel like I may have heard of some kind of like Grimm's retold. I'm I'm trying yeah, to call it like Grimm's fairy book. tales retold or something like that, but I'm not sure if I've ever read it. I may have just heard about it. Yeah, it's we'll have to take a, a look at it later. Yeah, um, I don't know now. As far as my folklore, um, I've always enjoyed hearing stories about cryptids. I wouldn't say I'm as driven on them as you are, but mm-hmm. the, hearing stories about strange creatures or even like dragons or fairies and things like that. I mean, you know, we're, we're we all be out here inspired by Lord of the Rings. We all know Truly. that nobody can nobody can even front that Tolkien hasn't spawned a thousand, <laughs> a million ships off of his one thing, but. There is something really fascinating about how stories used to be passed down by word of mouth and those turned into, you know, like we call it folklore that we now have, you know, like Grimm's fairy tales and we treat them as stories for children. Mm -hmm. But the reason we treat them that way is because you're supposed to pass this down. You're supposed to treat these things as almost sacred and pass along from person to person. So even just hearing about it is a cool thing because somebody had some kind of experience or somebody told the story, even if it was just completely fictional off the top of their head and it was important enough that we all needed to know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always like hearing about them. And I think some of my favorite ones were uh, the ones I used to hear in uh, like the extreme Northern uh, South United States, Midwest area where you would get a lot of skinwalker stories. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. People who would assume different shapes or who would look like a close friend or who would look like someone completely different and you would think that person was mm-hmm. part of your group all along. And actually, mm-hmm. that person was never there in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. And those kind of stories are very prevalent along like Mason Dixon line area, you know, going all through. The United States, you've got uh, skinwalkers, you've got uh, what's the other term for them? There's another there's another word for. Yeah, the bad word. Something that can the bad word. (laughs) There's the the folklores that these people often talk about their uh, Native American descent. And they believe if you say the name, then, you know, it's inviting them in. Um, Oh, right, right. I don't actually recall what the name is right now. I know I know what you're talking about. It's more of a like um cultural name for it. Right. But I don't yeah. remember what it's called. But clearly those stories go way back and we kinda have you can tell in season one we have a couple moments where there's kind of like a whodunit vibe mm-hmm. going on. We even kind of uh ape it a little bit when we t- have Lizzie do her crazy stunt on the <laughs> yeah. Stone. And everybody's like, well, she's a flesh demon now. Yep. But 
when when I, you know, I'm writing for syntax and even into the future, I like those stories where just something just isn't as it seems. Uncanny Valley not, vibes. Yeah, not necessarily drawing straight from that and just going to we're not going <laughs> to I don't think you're going to have a moment down the line where we're just like, oh, yeah, here's a Robin. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. always been here. Don't don't mm-hmm. worry about that guy. He's he's no. always kind of done that. Maybe a little cheesy because I have a read, little weird. I've 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 read a lot of copy pastas and sometimes it's done well where it is mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this this strange seventh person arrived and I felt like I always knew who they were, but they're just yes. not who they are. Yes. But those stories were always it's the fact there's so many and they're so prevalent across many different cultures, even mm-hmm. people assuming different forms that it's like that's that's really interesting. Feels like there's always a little kernel of truth within those exactly kind of exactly what mm-hmm. what is the real thing behind it that is yeah. the most fascinating part of all of it mm-hmm. totally oh agree. boy oh man this next cue though this is this is my <laughs> cue isn't it <laughs> so the next question is what hot goss can you spill about the love triangle between lizzie silas and cassius well no comment. Let me tell you guys exactly <laughs> what's going no. on back there. So. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he's going to be like, so. And then he's going to say, they are good friends. They are the best of friends. Have Actually, really no. We have clear experience. antagonism going on between some of them. And that is yes. very funny. Some that of, is, some is of, hilarious. Some of my favorite fluff moments in the story are where they get to be a little sassy with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's most obvious with Silas and Lizzie because generally when those two meet, it is like on Two dogs site. barking at each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're both academic types, Lizzie and Silas. Of the, of the breachers, they would probably be most likely to be found with their noses in a book and just mm-hmm. buried in the corner somewhere trying not to talk to people. Mm-hmm. But the thing that makes them so antagonistic is they would be two very different books. Yes. That the two of them oh, were trying to read. Absolutely. And they would get into debates about things like whether uh, monster stories or love stories or like Shakespeare or mm-hmm. <laughs> R.L. Stein are better authors. Right, right. It'd be like, <laughs> it'd, it'd totally be something like, oh, Lizzie's reading War of the Worlds and Silas is reading fucking... Uh, Homer Tempest or for the third time. Yeah, like Homer's <laughs> Odyssey, something like that. Like, yep, yep. He's translating. Definitely, definitely it's, those it's, vibes. It's still in like the ancient Greek, and he's actively translating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some tensions about. We shall say that. Mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, that is that is some of the best moments, and because of that, you're definitely going to see a lot more of it. Is yeah. A lot of what I will say. There's, there's going to be a lot expounded on between their relationship because I, I think also something that kind of intensifies what the three of them are going through is they're also the three that kind of have the most at stake, so to Mm -hmm. speak. A lot of the other characters, uh, so far, their motivations have been revealed as being like kind of mercenary, kind of I'm here to prove myself, kind of vibe. These three have like a different take whether it's they're being pressured by external forces or they have a desire to preserve the things inside or there's a mystery that they're trying to unravel Mm -hmm. these three are going to probably be at the forefront of that because 
bless Alex's heart, but I don't think Alex <laughs> is going to be the one solving the Rubik's Cube 28 no. by 28 puzzle that is the breach. Sorry. Uh, Alex would be interested in the answer, but I don't think yes. she's going to be the one to put it together. Greg and Jay probably are just going to walk out of the breach one day and say, it was all UFOs, man, and they'll be happy with that answer. <laughs> These three are going to want to know more. Yeah, and that desire absolutely. to know more along with their desire to watch out for each other and develop feelings for each other or uh, get one of them murdered mm, is going to be a big part of what's to come. Yes. <laughs> yes. More more to come is what she, we shall say about more that. More to come. <laughs> um, okay. So could you hear? Question. Could y'all hear Stella sweating as I kept talking and <laughs> talking was, and talking I was about a hot and goss? Sweaty, <laughs> a little sweaty about the goss. Not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, next question. Oh boy, here we go. The the real spoiler question. Yeah, this is what everyone wants to know, of course. Do you have any hints of what to watch out for or keep in mind from this season when the next season airs? Translations. 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 Supercut on the way. Supercut on the way. Patreon. That's all we'll say. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. There are things to look out for and keep in mind. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I think there's a ton of stuff that, you know, we are going to refer to, but if Mm -hmm. you have the translations almost memorized, very few things will surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be like, oh man, I knew that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Things, the the pieces are going to start coming together, shall we say. And that's not even a big spoiler because if you know episode 18, you know that Silas has that figured out. Yes. Silas is like, oh, I've I've read this story. (laughs) 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 So yes, those are, those are, I would say translation's key. Translation's mm-hmm. key. Um, okay, so next question we have actually is asked by Galland. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, hopefully. We can hope. <laughs> um, so they ask, when Alex lets the boys into the armory towards the end, this is episode 18, uh, were they up to something or was it purely... Oh, no, this 18. was episode 17, right? I was going to say, I think this is the episode before. Yeah, so this is the semifinale. Uh, mm-hmm. Were they up to something, or was it purely to prepare for their breach? I don't know. I'm sure it was completely fine, right? Yeah, it yeah. was completely fine. There's nothing untoward about that. Just preparing. Has Chekhov's gun gone off? Do you hear it? Mm. I didn't hear anything, so I think we're good. Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next we, question. You know, Sorry, we can't thing, expound about that. Listen, more. the only thing I'm gonna say is we've already said something's fucky. Because mm-hmm. if you remember back in episode twelve, whoa, we already had a Bring moment where somebody was not where they should have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something's up with somebody, but a who few is times, it a few is times, the question. Yep. Guess we'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. All right, next question. This one asked by Dallas. Are the horror backstories from the first season going to play a part in the series as it continues? Maybe. Man, people just be begging for a spoiler, aren't they? They really do, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, well see. let me tell you the actual true no. answer to the question is... Okay. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I got scared. <laughs> 
I'm holding a gun to his head. Press. I balked. I, <laughs> I heard the. I heard, you guys couldn't hear it, but I heard the cock. <laughs> the breech loading sound. You might say. We shall see. We shall see. Have we? We haven't really had anything directly referenced, right? Anybody's backstory? I don't think so. No. Would you? Okay, I know there's more questions coming up like this, but I yes. think the, one of the funniest things is some of the fascination around the polar bear. Oh, I'm looking at that question Alex's presently, story. dude. We'll talk about it more when we get there, but yeah. it kind of relates to this because it's obviously Alex's horror backstory. Mm -hmm. And I think if I didn't mention a polar bear in some aspect in the future, uh, I might get murdered in you my sleep. You would die. So. Yeah, you would die. Absolutely. <laughs> if that was just a random polar there is bear, so people much are going to be so upset with around me. Around polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that actually finalizes our uh, plot question category. All right, it's time to synchronize. You ready? Go on three. Clap your hands. Are you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Oh, wow. that's that was good. really bad. <laughs> oh, it, it sounded like it sounded exactly the same for me. It didn't sound that way to me, but we can we can fix it in post. We can yeah. pretend. Stella, That's fine. Stella, cut that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, the editor, the editor mindset now. Mm -hmm. All right. So our next question is going to be, or our next category rather, is going to be our questions for our characters or character specific questions. Um. So we do have some that you know are for people or for uh, just about characters. So this is kind of the juicy stuff, I would say, right? <laughs> it's a little bit more juicy. I was going to say, this might be one of my favorite sections. Writing yeah. writing characters is clearly something we that we enjoy a lot on the show. We love We love them. our cryptids. We love our antagonists. Mm -hmm. We love our external forces. We love our mysterious beings. We love our mysterious language. Yep. But at the end of the day, the heart. it's all about the the beating hearts, mm -hmm. the spoken words, the interactions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited for these questions too. So Start once again, off. we'll kick us we'll kick us off with a a few questions asked by Rain again. Um so the first question we have is what were the pre-production names for the characters, <laughs> if any were different? <laughs> Yes, some of them were different. We we spent a lot of time on the character names because we wanted to make sure they were good. Like we wanted to make sure they were they were distinct is the best. I'm way to terrible play, at names, so I want to definitely say it here that mm -hmm. Stella was responsible for a lot of the <laughs> names being chosen. And I'm not saying that to like put blame, but that it's like a skill because I'm definitely the kind <laughs> of guy when I DM a DD game. I go to fantasy name generator. I hit mm. the re-roll re button six or seven times and I look for something that looks like it fits and I mm -hmm. just go with that. Because I feel like names have such power. So I always want to give do. them something that doesn't just sound good, but has like meaning to it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is I get so wound up in that thinking <laughs> that I get, fr I freeze up and I'm like, Okay, this character's name cannot be Bearer of the Light because <laughs> they're the good guy. Like it, it, it would sound like it wouldn't even sound like Tolkienish that because Tolkien had a of course had some things like that, but it would sound like a, it would sound like a space opera or something. Mm -hmm. It would, it would be like wise master counselor 
so-and-so and I would just get stumbled. And Stella, though, I feel like does an amazing job of making the characters just sound easy to remember, distinct. You're not going to have too many characters with very close sounding names. Everybody's yeah. going to have a very specific thing that just feels right. You know, n- now I could hardly imagine our characters with any other names. Yeah, I absolutely cannot really imagine anyone with a different name. They've but kind as far of... as pre-production names. Yes. Um... Would you like to reveal? <laughs> so one of the pre-production names, the one that I remember the most at least, is Cassius was not always Cassius. Um, <laughs> we went through a, through a few iterations of Cassius names. Cassius we... was the hardest one, right? Yeah, I would say I think so. I would say. Yeah, because we wanted it to sound very androgynous. Uh, that's something very important for Cassius's character, I think. Um, and one of the first names that we were going to choose was Rowan. Um, and then Ty. Which is a great name. Convinced me. <laughs> I honestly forgot why we didn't choose Rowan. There was some reason. Uh, but... There was a video game that came out right as Syntax was getting started. Oh, where yeah. there was a specific... A person, a, a non-binary person, who mm-hmm. was also yes. Oh, okay. And I, I was do like, we don't want to be too derivative. It's, I it's do a great game. This. If we want to mention the name, yeah. it's a uh, good game. Uh, a game and name. Boyfriend but... Dungeon, right? Yeah, yeah. Boyfriend Dungeon. Yeah. It's a great game. It's really it fun. does great representation. Mm-hmm. But it was just like we don't want to be like, yes, this is Khaleesi. <laughs> right. We didn't want. We definitely didn't want to be like. We didn't want to steal it. Yeah. So, uh, but. Clearly, I like the name Rowan, and I love the name Cassius. I like I I couldn't, as Ty was saying, I couldn't imagine our characters named as anything else, including Cassius. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. but um, we do have a little a little tidbit about the Rowan name in Cassius's backstory in the second prologue, which is available on our Kofi Patreon. <laughs> true, true. Um, but yeah, that's I do, the, that. do we have any other like? We had a couple of other people in the very, very early stages yeah, where very, before very we even early. knew the actors who were going to be coming in, um, we had some people that had different backgrounds, but we changed them oh, because yeah, we didn't want to did. have the the not correct representation. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we had some, you know, we we need we tried to put out a casting call and we tried to get as many different uh people from different backgrounds as we could mm-hmm. but Not... this being an unpaid project at first exactly exactly we couldn't really pick and tough. choose as much so, as and we... we had to alter some people because we wanted mm-hmm. some other other uh representation like we said mm-hmm. and we just didn't weren't able to get that so the character kind of altered in order to match that more closely because yeah. we don't want to be the kind of people out here not giving fair chances and things yeah exactly i i think that's one of the most important things in the ad world right now so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah that that's was only like other time i think early 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 on though we were yeah, we were still very very early when we had just figuring things out bios. and uh mm-hmm. but other than that i think everyone's pretty much I know Silas was Silas from the beginning. I don't think I had another name for him at all. I think you said Silas before you said Syntax, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Syntax was not this boy, Silas was. This boy always had the name, and it was just mm-hmm. like Silas's adventure before it was even Syntax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love a main character, you know. You know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Yeah. If anybody else's names, I think Jeremiah dramatically. did. Oh, he was. I remember that was also one of those where we changed it just a little bit. Yeah. For uh, 
the representation reason. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, in Jeremiah's case, we actually had an actor change at some yes. point. So we did make that alteration mm -hmm. because we were able to change the background and mm -hmm. make it match more closely. Because like we said, we just, we don't want to be uh, entering anybody else's lane. Yeah, exactly. So we stay, I think that's we it, stay on ours. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, man, I'm really thinking for some reason I have it in my head that Vo had a different first name. And we were like, that's too we tame. Were going, it needs to be Evelyn. <laughs> yeah, we were going with, with other, I think we were going with other E names, but then Evelyn just fit her best. Yeah. Good so point. we were like, Evelyn's good. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, all right. Next question, Ty. Next question. How did you settle on the backgrounds and qualifications for each breacher? Great question. Silas was always a mm -hmm. linguist and he always uh, will be. <laughs> we always kind of, we already kind of answered that question because we definitely wanted to have a linguist. There mm -hmm. has to be somebody expounding on the history. Because if it was, if if there was a different kind of person taking the lead on expounding the plot, mm -hmm. it would be filtered through those eyes. And the yes. reason I think you see linguists come up time and time again especially in written and spoken media, mm -hmm. is a linguist will see the story. A linguist yes. is going to translate the words directly and is going to have to have a feel for the culture and the history along with the language itself mm -hmm. in order to try to tell it to a modern audience. And obviously a historian can help out with that too, but with the linguist, you kind of have the direct connection to the words, the ink on the page, and the story being told. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If it was Cassius kind of leading the exposition, obviously Cassius is another main character, but it's Silas mm -hmm. kind of leading us through the what and the why in the background. Mm -hmm. You'd be getting it from a biological perspective. You would yeah. be hearing things like, well, I think that this, you know, this had divergent evolution at this stage of history. And I think these, and we have a little bit of that in the show, mm -hmm. but with the linguistics and the scientists together, we get something that, is trying to sound plausible. Yes, yes. That was more of the uh, sci-fi hardness thing. Me and mm -hmm. Ty talk about that a lot. I think it's uh for the for the rest of them, uh, like like Ty was saying, Silas. We we definitely wanted it to be a story based more than anything, more than the creatures, more than all of that kind of stuff. We wanted it to be story and language based, cultural mm -hmm. based. Um, whereas. The other breachers kind of came from a need <clears throat> from the sci-fi perspective. Okay, mm -hmm. they we know that they're going into this breach, into this other plane, right? How are we gonna how are we gonna survive? How are we gonna gather information? What do we need for that? Mm -hmm. Um and I think a lot of them just came kind of in tandem. We know we wanted a biologist pretty quickly because we were like, well. They're gonna have they're gonna have all these other creatures that we're encountering. We're gonna want someone who has that biological perspective and intellect on what they can gather, what they need for specimens, all that kind of stuff. Um, cryptozoologist, we kind of what mm. are you are you fighting moths? <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to take me away again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, cryptozoologist, we did want. Um, we wanted someone who was a little kooky, not going to lie. Uh, we love we love Elizabeth and her. Elizabeth was a great addition because nature. it immediately tells you from a listener perspective mm -hmm. that something is still off. And yeah. it's like, you know, in the modern world, 
cryptozoology is a pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. It's not something that people actually go and study. And Lizzie even mentions this during her backstory. She's like, I didn't go for cryptozoology. People people can't do that. There may be Mm -hmm. like hokey universities out there offering, you know, shitty paper degrees that Mm -hmm. aren't aren't really a real thing. There, There is no cryptozoology. But she starts as a zoologist and then she goes down a very different route and essentially calls herself cryptozoologist. Yes. But that is a way to immediately indicate to people that what we're dealing with is going to actually use that specific specialization because right. there are all these stories and we are going to loop back and reference them, all these cryptids and things. And having her on the force is like, OK, there's a lot of hard sci fi going on. Sometimes the show is going to sound a little Star Trekky because, you know, the, the warp core is going to be stabilized with the plasma <laughs> field at three tachyons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, OK, and then there's just this entire aspect where we need somebody who can explain something that we have no way to explain with our modern understanding of biology yep. or physics. We needed someone who did the the kind of more out there research as far as Mm -hmm. the cryptids and the folklore and stuff like that goes. And we have mentions of that again in Elizabeth's backstory, how Mm -hmm. she kind of started researching more about uh, folklore and cryptid stories and all that kind of stuff. So we needed a believer. We did. We needed a believer. The rest of them are a little skeptic. Cassius is obviously anti-Vincula, but Mm -hmm. all not totally sold on the idea of this all being very, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, supernatural. Otherworldly. Not, right, right. Clearly, it's not of this earth. And clearly, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are going to defy explanation. But supernatural? Eh, I'm not sure. Cassius yeah. is a lot more grounded and skeptical on that side. Lizzie is the one that looks at something and goes, oh, oh, that's a so-and-so. And that's mm-hmm. going to look like this. Or, you know, I'm, I'm Lizzie is open. Lizzie is like, I am prepared to accept what is put before me Mm -hmm. and not necessarily assume that this can't work this way. way. Right. Cassius is Cassius is also there and seeing it, but is always going to have the brakes pumped a little bit on it and try to always going to be a little bit more like, oh, this is this has real world connotations. Mm -hmm, Same thing with mm -hmm. Silas, I believe. But I think Silas is stems more of a, a fear Rather than um, <laughs> rather so, than just just stubbornness, which is Cassius's realm. Silas falls in that category of just smart enough to be in danger to himself yes, because he can yes. kind of tell what's going on, but doesn't want to believe it and doesn't mm-hmm. want to be there and would rather leave. Thank you very yes, much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as the rest of the breachers, um, Alex, we knew that we needed a physicist um, mainly because of the different... Uh, places that the breach was going to go like um, the breaches how they were going to be different uh, oxygen levels different um, like planetary gravitational you kind of need somebody who just is holding a thermometer sometimes yeah yeah it doesn't sound super glorious but it doesn't but it's very important we need to know if we we are able to survive in this place and that's why on um, the second area they go to the uh, pandemonium it's they need suits because alex it's very much alex's specialty at yes that point. it's alex's specialty where she realizes oh this is this air is not really breathable for long extended periods of time so we need to have something that can cross this you know landscape um mm-hmm. and then of course you kind of need a medic because 
people are bound to get injured as we have found out <laughs> people are bound Definitely. to get injured and ill and all kinds of stuff um if there so is an is very adventure story there is a doctor there's a board. doctor or a medic that's one on thing board. i know unless mm-hmm. unless you have some kind of robinson crusoe solo story going on and even that dude had to learn some kind of medical stuff on sterilization because yeah. yeah. You know, somebody's going to get bumped or scraped or almost killed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the best characters in every story are the guy that patches you up very begrudgingly. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Jay fills that role. Jay fills uh, it seamlessly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then Greg, you know, there has to be someone who's got a uh, (laughs) who's got a gun, (laughs) you know, it's got to be at least one man. It it doesn't make much sense to have a story where there isn't a gun. We talked about how Mm -hmm. we wanted to not have a reliance on it. And something that I want to mention about Greg, since we have a chance to talk to, about him here, I, I like that Greg isn't the kind of guy who is too trigger happy. Oh, absolutely. And we try to make a point of that in a lot of the episodes and even going forward. It's like, yeah, the gun is there to protect his team. If, if it comes down it to a battle to. of survival, right, mm-hmm. he's going to pick his, his, uh, his team and he's going to be able to say, I'm defending them. But if you notice, even in the moments where he has to do something about it, he's doing it in the, I guess you could say, like, cleanest way possible, most yes. direct. Like Absolutely. when Alex almost gets hauls off by the spider, mm-hmm. he's not spraying and praying and, 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 you know, just. He gets a knife and takes care down. of that bad boy. He goes right in for it. He gets the job done. He puts it away. Mm-hmm. And that is an aspect that I really like about our breachers because none of them are going to be too ramble about it and neither are they going to be too naive about it. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to understand that sometimes it is going to be a choice between a a creature or some entity that they're encountering down in these breaches or they're, you know, not going to survive. And Mm -hmm. they've had a couple encounters like that, but it's always taken care of in a, most in a manner that I right I, in a manner that I think a older military guy really gives a good appreciation for. For sure, he understands sure. the value of life on both sides, and he's not going to try to be too, uh, what do you say, trigger happy about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of their backgrounds really play into the. Uh, I think, um, sometimes with the backgrounds, not just the qualifications, because we talked about like why they were chosen for what yeah, they were chosen. For sure. Oh. Real quick on the qualifications um, before I go to the backgrounds, something that may come up uh, that I have heard other people ask about in uh, syntax. Mm -hmm. Why aren't there more like doctors involved? Mm -hmm. And our reasoning was, I don't think you necessarily put a doctor on the field in the field. Yeah, (laughs) right. Those guys make too much money to be like, I'm going to be out there is a is a army medic. Like Paramedic. he's there. Yeah. He's there for a reason. He's had the experience of like a battlefield situation, right? It's he knows life or death scenarios. But Doctors, as far as like PhDs, yeah, it's like, it ain't gonna nah, be out there. Nah, not mm-hmm. not gonna like you you'll come back and a lot of these samples are probably going on to other vincula doctorates and other mm-hmm. PhDs and even you know medical specialists when they do get hauled back sometimes. But you're just not going to see them out there. So that's why everybody has like master's level. If you look at our intro, a lot of them are like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a master's of biology. I'm a the, this and that. They're highly intelligent people. They're people who can process this information and deliver these things. Mm-hmm. But they're not like 
high tiered all a lot of this is going to filter back and that way it comes to us in a way that feels accessible mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that i like to write about with syntax is it's, it's hard sci-fi like, but it's not too out there like asimov style yeah it's not too like phd dissertation level right, stuff right. not too dry <laughs> it's it's being filtered down in a way that still makes it exciting and mm-hmm. uh, tangible for people but then as far as Absolutely. backgrounds, I think all of them, the biggest thing that you need to keep in mind about characters is it's best to write about what you know. Yes. A lot of the characters are things that uh, either Stella or I have gone through or mm-hmm. in uh, some characters, it's things that the ca- uh, actors themselves have yeah. put into their characters We've because they're like, I feel like this influence. would be this. And yeah, yeah, because. Mm-hmm. You you write what you know and you act what you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to you want to bring those stories to the foreground too, and you want to that way it sounds more sincere. Yes, I think that you know because a uh, sp- very specific example I'll give. Alex is a uh, military brat, mm-hmm. totally born and raised while their parents were in the service, and I had the same kind of uh, upbringing. So I was able to like kind of make that sound more real and and it was something that I could write about. It was mm-hmm. a very different experience and it makes for a di- very different kind of person in the end. And a lot of the characters have similar kind of vibes. I'm not going to yeah. say I was a sheltered child like Silas or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a lot of us in the breachers. How about we say that? <laughs> there's a Definitely. lot of us. And a lot of our actors as well. They've really made the characters their own. The DNA of the breachers is essentially helpful. unstranding everybody who works on syntax <laughs> and splicing them back together in yes. the most Frankenstein ways imaginable. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I think, like Ty was saying, it makes for the best, the best, most realistic people that you can find in characters. For sure. So. And that means that when we make another show, we can mm-hmm. splice them in totally different ways and you get something yeah. that's familiar, but totally different. A little different. A little spicy. A little zesty. <laughs> We're not going to um, promise Silas is in every show, but, you know, there's probably going to be one nerd that needs to get dunked there's on There's probably going to be a few nerds, make. yeah, who, who, who have to get dunked on because that's, that's a common trait that we feel needs to be For provided. Sure. Um, okay, next question. Um, who is your favorite character? Ty, hold on, you go hold first. On. Oh, here, let me. Oh, God. <laughs> Who's your favorite character, you say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sipping. Well, it's Silas, obviously. Obviously. No, definitely not Silas. <laughs> Ty does not like Silas very much. I like... Hmm. <laughs> Choose your words carefully. Choose your words carefully. I don't hate the lad. I just mm. think that Silas... Hmm... Maybe, maybe what I'll say is maybe he hits too close to home sometimes Ooh, in his, okay. uh, not, not even to say that like he sounds smart. It's more the moments when he's especially dumb, mm. when he just doesn't get it that I'm like, yeah. why is this me? Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> but favorite character? Um, I mean, I love them all. I write right. so much about all of them. So this is like really like Choosing asking your about favorite, favorite child. child. Yeah, literally. right. But if I if you had to force me to pick, I think the character that I smile the most when they're on screen, so to speak, is Cassius. Mm, okay, Cassius it's, lover. Get it? It feels like a monkey wrench in the works. <laughs> And that's why I like it. Everybody else meshes in different ways. Even mm-hmm. even Silas and Lizzie. Their antagonism makes them predictable. 
Because you always yes. know when they're together, they're going to be fighting. They're going to be fighting. Cassius is always like, what's going on in their head sometimes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How have they shown up today? Yeah. Kind of vibe. Yeah, you kind of, you're always kind of questioning with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that makes them <laughs> more interesting. Fun. Yes, which is so fun. <laughs> um, what about you? This is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, as Ty said, it really is like, picking your favorite children we have put so much into these characters and the show it's like pretty pretty terrifying to pick one um i so whenever i watch a piece of media i have to admit i'm one i'm a hundred percent one of those people who latches onto the protagonist because all in all the story is about them right clearly our story is about a whole found family with like different relationships different backgrounds and different personalities i think that's great i love them all i love silas <laughs> because <laughs> i love main characters okay i really really How dare just you? i know i really just attach on them so hard i to get was here. gonna say alex is like my my baby child i feel alex in the very pits of my soul <laughs> because Oftentimes, things that I say either get put in Alex's dialogue or Cassius's dialogue because True. they're just, they're both very much me. Always remember C through Ithacus. Yeah, C through Ithacus for sure. Um, I love Alex so much. Um, she was Would you give Alex honorable mention? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay, okay. That's yeah. good. I, I would give honorable mention to Greg. I was going to say Greg as well, just because he, I like his laid backness, you know? Yeah. And also he's inspired by my father, my That's daddy. Oh, so, you know, your father I, is a, it's a chat. He is a chat. All so. the times I've met him. So we, he, he does have a special place in my heart, but honestly, everyone has a special place in my heart. I love Elizabeth's mm-hmm. quirkiness. I love Cassius's bravery and sort of like smugness about everything. I love Vo's antagonism and snarky attitude like being able to use my experiences as an emt for jay yeah yeah i was an emt and i totally totally understand the vibe that like this Mm -hmm. person is here to save you but they don't have to be happy about it but they don't have to be i love (laughs) jay's like sarcasm attitude and like just miserable time sometimes it is amazing Mm -hmm. Um, yeah (laughs) honestly honest to goodness it is incredibly hard to pick but because he is the main of the story, he's where it all started. I would say Silas. I know he's it's the boring dumb. answer, but you know he's a he's a dumb dumb. You should dunk yeah, on him. Yeah, he more. is. I do dunk tell on him, him often. <laughs> he's a dumbass, but I love him. <laughs> okay, so next question. Let's go. To next it. question: Why does Alex get saved by the polar bear? Gun emoji. Gun emoji. I had to include that in. Um, who's to say? <laughs> well, so you see, the reasoning for that is... Mm. So in the backstory of Alex, <laughs> it is not expanded upon why she gets saved by it. Which is why but I'm going to expand upon no, it now and explain okay. some things in the future. We'll, we'll be doing do guys, things later. Do you guys like, remember the line where Silas is like, I didn't know I could hear myself sweat. Do you like how you can hear Stella sweating mm-hmm, right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I th- that kind of loops back. To, we gave, we didn't give an answer, but we kind of mentioned that in the previous segment when we were like, are these backstories going to play mm-hmm. in again? Mm-hmm. 
we haven't said yet, have we? Uh, yeah, we haven't you know, said yet. That um, season one is early, y'all. Season one's early. I was gonna say this doesn't. I'm not gonna mention how many seasons we have in mind because you know we'll, we'll kind of get there when we get there. Yeah. But I will just say I don't think this ends with season two. No, no, I don't <laughs> not think so either. I don't think so. Either. We are, as we mentioned in the very first two episodes of Syntax, we are but scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Oh, episode more, drop. There's more. <laughs> Well, now I feel terrible. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. This next one is a cute one. What mm-hmm. is Alex's favorite video game? I would say... So, okay, I've actually gathered an answer from Jules, who is the uh, voice actor for Alex. Um, mm. But I would also say that Symbol Forge, because we made that up in in canon. That was a good call by me. I feel, still feel like. Yeah. Oh, I, I love I love that name for in universe. I couldn't game. believe that Gage, your your brother and Fred in the story, mm-hmm. um, couldn't like figure out what it was a reference to. I thought. Yeah. I guess I thought it was the more popular real world series that I just it's like not. you know found synonyms for. <laughs> it's not. I guess, yeah, I guess not. It, it's only the people around me that actually play it, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, I guess it was more popular than I thought. And it's like only you. Or two or three people that know it exists. <laughs> so, Symbol Forge, as Alex mentions in episode three, four, something like I that. I think it's three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, long time like ago. Long time ago. Um, she says Symbol Forge, which is a video game that we made up in universe for syntax. It's based on the real world game Ruin Factory, which is a spinoff of the Harvest Moon series, <laughs> which is Ruin Factory is one of my favorite games. So. Uh, that's what we said for Alex, because I do feel like Alex would play that game, to be fair. Uh, she would, I, she would I enjoy tend to agree. Factory. But, Especially um, since Alex is probably a Switch aficionado. Oh, um, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Handheld. The video games Alex plays are probably all Nintendo based. I don't see as I don't see Alex as like an Xbox Live kind of kid or no. a PlayStation. So you know, I do have anything. a controversial it's... opinion from Jules. Uh oh. <laughs> it's, it's not very controversial to the Switch. I think Jules would agree there. But um, mm. Jules said, and I quote, I feel she is an avid Final Fantasy XIV player and kicking people's that's asses true. in it. And that's I just have to agree with that. I feel like Alex would play like one of the cat people races. And oh, that's just, like, right. Because when that got mentioned, butts. I was immediately like, uh, oh, yeah, Jules's dad probably tried to get Alex to play WoW. And Alex mm-hmm. was like, nah. But the MMO part stuck with Alex. And she was like, but this Final Fantasy game, though. Exactly, exactly. Like the MMO, I feel like Alex would definitely be the vibe, the vibe for <laughs> She's her. the cat person and destroying mm-hmm. people. I totally oh, could see it. You know that's going to be next, right? What? What is everybody's Final Fantasy race in oh, class? <laughs> probably true. Probably. I don't even know enough Final Fantasy. I don't I know enough it, either. But I haven't either. We'd have to find out. I can tell you they're WoW classes. <laughs> both could do that yeah we we could go down the list and be like all right here's all the breachers and the supporting characters mm-hmm. while races and classes but yep, final, alex does seem like a final fantasy kid 100%. oh i would say so yeah she's also young she's also young she wasn't she wasn't you know primary wow age i don't think yeah she probably didn't play uh ff7 but she saw 14 and was like cat people hell yeah <laughs> gotta love some cat people 
Um, and that's how I wound up at Vincula. <laughs> <laughs> Playing MMOs online. All right, my All turn right. to ask, I think? Yes, your turn. Um. Okay, this is split across the page a little bit. Is this one question this or two questions? This is one questions? question. Yeah, with like some question. more ex okay. explaining. This is asked by Galland. Mm -hmm. I think I'm so. hoping we're getting the name right again. <laughs> uh, I feel like trying to learn more about Miss Bo to see if she really was as cold as she appeared was worth them investigating more. I think I think means if I think that was worth investigating more mm -hmm, is what that's mm -hmm. trying to say. Was this ever considered in the story? Or if she knew Vincula's true intentions, was possibly a descendant of the novel Kutu ritual folks. Interesting hmm. questions here. Hmm. Yeah, but there's a problem. Yes. She's dead. <laughs> this is true. Well, they did say was. Oh, that's that's they a good did point. Say but, was. but I mean, uh, yeah, I guess we can answer the past tense. Was this ever mm -hmm. considered mm -hmm. in the story? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll I'll answer that question. Uh, yes, yes, for sure. It was it was considered. Uh, it it was considered. Uh, but you know there there was a direction we wanted to take things, mm -hmm. and again, without trying to reveal too much, just speaking in the broadest terms here, <laughs> there is a problem in horror stories in particular, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you can only kill off certain folks. Yes. At certain times and maintain interest in the story. Mm -hmm. We kind of pulled, I'm, I'm going to use the Star Trek terminology. We kind of pulled our red card, yes. red shirt card yeah. kind of early in the story. And we didn't really want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we're, are we done with the other characters yet? Not really. Yes, for sure. And there are ways of exploring these backgrounds that we can still address mm -hmm. without necessarily needing certain vehicles within yeah, the story. That's absolutely. all I'm going to say. I think that's a good answer, Ty. <laughs> I say threateningly. <laughs> Guns cautiously uncocks. <laughs> good one, good one. <laughs> okay, L shall we move on from that one? Um, certainly, certainly. Okay, so, because I have nothing else to add. I think Ty did, did a good job answering that one. <laughs> um, if we say it anymore, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay tuned. Stay safe. <laughs> stay, stay sane. <laughs> we love Call of the Void here, okay? <laughs> I've been listening to it. It's what I'm listening to right now. I like it. Are you listening right now? No, not like right now. Oh. I'm saying that's what I'm currently <laughs> listening to. <laughs> like how? <laughs> It's okay. my multi-track brain. I'm multi-track <laughs> right. questions. Okay. So this next question was asked by Dallas again. Um, hmm. So I'm going to kind of combine these two because I feel like they go together. Um, probably not a question that can be answered, but I'm super curious about why Alex and Silas seem to be uniquely targeted by certain things in the breach, or at least uniquely affected. Also, the moths seem to play an integral role on Gaia. Will they continue to play an important part of the series? So I combine these two because we're Y'all be fishing, I swear. Yeah, you really are. You just I want me to these... tell you the story or something? <laughs> because obviously <laughs> kid, Alex and Silas are both affected by the moths, right? That's one of the <clears throat> largest breach uh, beast encounters that we have that are affecting them. Um, Most sweeping for sure, yeah. Yeah, so... I can say mm. they will continue to be in the story. Yeah, I don't 
that that's the only thing I want to say. I don't want to mention yeah. what is going to happen, but I do want to say I don't or think why. we're pulling a Star Trek. I mentioned Star Trek a lot, but it just feels like that <laughs> feels adventure so style. Yeah, that adventure style is like what people can relate to. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be like touch it one time, move on, never no, see that entity again. And, you know, sometimes in Trek or Stargate or these other shows that have more of a serialization going on, you do have occasional side characters re-entering the story because they were interesting or folks liked them or there's mm-hmm. something about them that they can use. Um, but mostly, you know, we go to the side planet, we see a thing, we leave, and that's mm-hmm. the end of it. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to do that. You will see some things again. And sometimes the interaction is what's important. Sometimes the creature is what's important. And you'll see as we go along. Yes. <laughs> but we don't want to leave too many things to the wayside. Yeah. So I'm not going to. And I'm going to be bad and say one other thing. You can figure it out if you listen really close. (laughs) (laughs) You can. I was going to say the same. It's okay. I'm not. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not dead. Um, Yeah. So I would say as to why Alex and Silas seem to be uniquely targeted or affected by things. It's the um, tiniest detail. It's this a is very the most breadcrummy of breadcrummy. Yes, but it will be talked about. I can say that. Yes. You won't be left hanging by any of our breadcrumbs, I hope. <laughs> most, I'm not even going to say all, most will be revealed most by the time we get revealed. to the end. Yes. end. yes. Some some things may be ambiguous, but things yeah. like this, I would say. We do like a little bit of, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Viewer interpretation. Yes, yes. Such as you know, character stuff, but yes, very good. Okay. Next question. Next question was asked by Deo. How old are all the characters? Silas, Alex, Cassius, etc. So I am so glad you asked. Yes. So (laughs) we we have a list. (laughs) We have a list. We do. Um, Do we want to like say that or do we just want to be like kind of general? I would there's say nothing like spoilery about it. I, no, I think we could mention. Not. We don't have to do like birthdays, even though we know I'm their like, birthdays. I, yeah, we do <laughs> have their birthdays kind of and people. zodiac signs. Okay, should we, we tell people about the zodiac birthdays? Okay, we're like well, an hour into the Q and A. If you're yeah. the kind of person who would listen to us, we, first of all, we'd love you. But second we of all, you. you probably deserve this information. <laughs> Well, and I, I have like. been tweeting the birthdays on Twitter. True, true. I, I don't think this is something we have to keep hidden necessarily. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. Um. So we do. Everyone in the show is, um, of basically. I see you on Alex's bio. I'm opening all of the bios right now. Um. Everyone is above legal age. Clearly, we're all. 20 30 somethings even all these people are old yes it's not not even a question if they're legal or not all these people are like they're definitely older we definitely wanted to make a like we wanted to be realistic right you're not going to have a master's degree if you're 20 years old like that's just not how it works so we and i don't really like those kind of stories i mean you know teenage slashers are interesting but Mm -hmm. this is this is a bunch of either veterans or they've been on tours or they've gone mm-hmm. on trips to things. A lot of these folks it's are well traveled. It's not a coming of age and... story. Exactly. It's definitely more of like a mature story <laughs> in that regard. They're um, old and set in their ways. <laughs> right. Like me and Ty are both not around that age. I'm 26. Ty is older than that. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> 
You mad woman revealing your own age, but don't you dare (laughs) touch mine. So we wanted uh, we wanted someone people that we could you know like empathize with. That I think that's really important nowadays because man, you really are knocking us down, aren't you? We don't understand young people. No, it's we were never eighteen. Listen, I don't hear stories often that are about our age group. Is all I'm saying. It's that's actually a good point. Young people, and it's like I want more of like our middle. There's a ton of of teenage stories. There's Mm -hmm. a ton of YA dystopian stories. There's a ton of most of these folks have got their lives figured out and they're trying to plus it's a mature it's mature content it's i think there's there's death there's injury there's horror there's romance existential crisis that what nothing (laughs) (laughs) what i didn't know about this (laughs) well okay so do you want to tell people i don't mind age yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We can we can say. And I didn't know if you wanted to be specific or not. Okay. No, we can. I don't have a problem with that. Really. All right, go for it. You start so, with Alex. Okay, first on the roster, Alex Yard is our youngest of the cast uh, mm-hmm. of the characters. She is a mere twenty four years old. She is baby girl, and her birthday mm-hmm. is March twenty fifth. So she's an Aries. Mm-hmm. Love that for her. Next up, not necessarily in age, but just uh, I, actually, I think I'm going alphabetical. These so are alphabetical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Cassius is 28 mm-hmm. and is a December 7th baby. So what's her zodiac? Uh, oh, Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Woo. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like that one's very fitting for Cassius. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, then we have Elizabeth next in the in the uh, what's that word? Alphabetical. Alphabetical. Oh, alphabetical order. <laughs> I was like, she can't mean alphabetical. Sure, it is. So, uh, Elizabeth is twenty seven, a year younger than Cassius, and she is a Leo. So her birthday is August eighth. Which is the closest to my birthday? Yay! Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I actually have a question. Go ahead. I think we've altered Greg a bit. Have we? I think so. I don't think he's in canon this age anymore. That we have. Oh on the bio. yeah, no. I I think he's probably. Let me change it really quick. Sure. You think that's sure. good. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think I think that's what I think we mentioned it. Mm-mm. Okay, we at least have like a ballpark. Yeah. Anyway, um, Greg is. We'll give Greg the benefit of the doubt and say he's in his late forties and is <laughs> yeah. aging gracefully. He is aging very gracefully. He's, he's a already served man. his time. He was a he was a you know long term soldier back in the day, mm-hmm. and he just was one of those guys that when he got out, kept kind of doing the same thing, protecting yep. his squad. But his birthday is on May 16th, and he is a Taurus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we have uh, Jeremiah, or Jay, um, who is the medic, as we know. Um, Jeremiah is 31, first of our 30 group. Um, mm-hmm. And he is a Libra, so he was born on September 29th. Mm-hmm. And then Mama June does not permit people to know her age indeed so no one dares ask but her birthday is on march 9th 
and she is a Pisces. Love for her. So cute. <laughs> okay, for Vo, um, she seems to be around 35. No one really knows for sure. Uh, Another one of the not, we dare ambiguous. not ask group. Yeah, but, but for a different That seems reason. to be the ballpark. Yeah, for yeah. a different <laughs> <laughs> um, For Mama June, it's out of respect. For Miss mm, Vo, beer. beer. We'll keep the people scared. in line. <laughs> she, her birthday is on November 17th, and she is a Scorpio, which makes mm. a lot of sense. I think. Oh boy. <laughs> and then trundling in ya boy. At the back of the squad is your boy, Silas Caldwell. He is a rounded out age of 30, and he was born on September 10th, which makes him a Virgo. Mm -hmm. Very accurate, I think. Very accurate. For some reason, I was, I was, I have not looked at their ages, their actual canon ages in a while. I was thinking they were all a little older than that. So they're doing good for themselves. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, we, we, like we said, we wanted to go in our range. So mm -hmm. we were like late mm -hmm. 20s, early 30s, with early some 30s, outliers yeah. that were like, Gr Greg and June seem to lead the pack, but it just helps them give that mama and papa vibe. Yeah, mama, papa bear. Mm -hmm. For sure. That was a fun question. I like those kind of questions a lot. I do like that question. <laughs> very good. Very good. Okay. So now that we have revealed canon information <laughs> to you, oh, 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 we can go to the next category, which most of these questions are going to be for Ty. Um, these, oh this is the writing questions category, which I'm very excited about. I love Ty's writing, and I think he's done a amazing job on syntax thus far. So... Um, Really excited for these. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so our first question is actually asked by Rex, who's one of our friends. Woo! Um, woo! So Rex, Rex asks, <laughs> some of the monsters <laughs> seem to have direct inspiration, but some felt very unique. What were your real word inspirations, real world, my apologies, inspirations behind the designs of the monsters? Which we Very kind of question. talked about a little bit, but if you'd like to expand on it. Yeah, um, obviously you always run into this kind of thing where there's nothing new under the sun, right? Mm -hmm. it, everything's kind of been done, but the real issue is whether it's been done precisely in that way. We already mentioned that we had some direct connection to some things. Camellic Apes is our Bigfoot analog. Mm -hmm. But I think... When we were making the cryptids, we really delved deep into how do we twist it? How do we twist yes, it? How absolutely. do we twist it more? How do we twist it again? How do we how do we twist, 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 twist? And it, it sounds odd, but it's like, I think if you twist hard enough, you end up at a place where you have made something unique because you had mm -hmm. something in mind, but now you've successfully pushed it far enough along a certain aspect of the thing that it feels like something different. Yep. Like, I think I think a good example is the Acid Nessie. So we said Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. The thing with Loch Ness Monster is the only thing people know about it is it probably had a long neck. It may have been a plesiosaur. It's probably a hoax. But what does it do? It mm -hmm. just kind of sits there in the water and nobody has any idea of what, what it does. There's probably a ton of Loch Ness horror, horror stories out there, but it's like everybody's going to put their own thing on it. With us, I was like... You know, when one of the best parts of doing syntax was like in the early stages when we were like, OK, let's sit down and like write a couple things and be like, mm -hmm. OK, we want to see this in this spot and we want to make it sound 
crazy and give it enough difference that it's like, okay, this is now a syntax monster mm-hmm. with inspired by on it, but something totally different. And Stella was really good about being like, okay, here's what I think about, but here's something else that I'm like, what if, what if it could live there? Mm. What if it could do this? And with Acid Nessie, uh, we had both heard stories of like the volcanic calderas that are left mm-hmm. behind when mm-hmm. volcanoes go up sometimes. And it leaves behind like these really acidic pools that are unsafe to go in, but they look gorgeous. And it's like, okay. And then I had heard stories about uh, creatures that could actually live in volcanoes. The, the, what are they called? Uh, I think they're called like iron worms or something like that. Yeah, it's a creature whose shell about. is actually mm-hmm. made of iron and it allows them to live in those temperatures. And it's like, okay, so we've got a couple of things here that's like, all right, we take the idea of a Nessie, but we apply it to this acid lake and this gorgeous spot. And then we're able to, you know, it's just extrapolating it from there. Because Mm -hmm. you look at the base cryptid or you look at the base inspiration and you just start thinking, okay, what do I what do I think about? What are what are some of the things that it could do or why doesn't it live there and okay i'll just come up with a reason why it lives there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we kept and we kept doing that over and over and over with every critter we we kept being like okay if i was <laughs> wait what's his name <laughs> richard atkinson right <laughs> yeah 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 if i if i were pla- if i were narrating planet earth and I was showing you something that sounded plausible, but in the back of your mind, you're going, there's no way that's a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. These guys are like just animatronic experts and they they made this bug do this thing or they made this penguin walk a thousand miles on the Antarctic coast. Th- those shows, David those old... David Attenborough. What is, Richard Attenborough is a different person, <laughs> I think. At, Richard Atkinson. I was like, that doesn't oh, sound right. I was way off base. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, we love do you, you look at those old? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with a lot of those, like Planet Earth and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Animal Planet, and a lot of those kind of TV shows and things. And some of the critters, it does make you think oh, that just doesn't it almost doesn't sound real. Mm-hmm. It has the same vibe as a cryptid, but There's somebody a actually lot went of and filmed real it. life, uh, like insects and fungus and stuff like that that you would just be like what yeah and with syntax i wanted it to sound like that Mm -hmm. i want we both sat down and we're like okay when you see this creature you know it's fake Mm -hmm. but you're coming at it from the other way and you're hearing all the reasons that can work in that environment and you're like okay all right the the xenobiology part is like working kind of i I sort Mm -hmm. of appreciate and obviously we can't make it work in every aspect. You know, there's always going to be somebody that's like, well, okay, there's a reason for this and that. And that's okay. But as far as we could do, as far as we were able to, we were like, all right, let's try to make this sound plausible. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then make that meet up with the critter that we had in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to like hand these over mostly to you. I'm going to ask them for you because like I said, writing questions. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, very good. Uh, I love talking about the actual, uh, you know, comeuppance of the creatures and creatures. in the story and everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like Ty said, we basically sat down and we were like, what What are some fucked up animals that we can 
<laughs> some of some of that is definitely how it went, or some of it was. You know what I thought of the other day in my nightmares. <laughs> um, okay, there's a lot of question. dream creatures in here, isn't oh, there? Oh, absolutely. I, I there's a lot of dream too. creatures. Yes, we would we, think of, we would just have a dream. We'd be like, we oh, have we some put that crazy on dreams that are very influential <laughs> in this. Um, okay, so these next few questions are asked by Rain again. Um, what were some of the reasons you picked the real world animal inspirations you did? Example are being uh, example being the anglerfish in the swamp. So I think kind of the same reason that we just said, right? Yeah, I think I think the answer to that is probably going to be very similar to the other one. I I definitely wanted some of the creatures to have that aspect of it's familiar, but it's still a mystery. There's mm-hmm. something about it, even if I fully understand it that is strange and wonderful and weird and horrifying mm-hmm. even if i know that even if it's a real thing like like anglerfish like there's yeah. something haunting about that it comes up in so much media that you have that image of something bright and shiny being dangled in front of a gaping mm-hmm. toothy maw like that's such a powerful image and you just want to reference it because yeah. people are going to understand that and people are going to have an expectation about it or it's going to be like something that they can look at and be like okay okay i'm getting the vibe they're putting out here but it's done with a different spin mm-hmm. twisted until you know it's something new absolutely mm-hmm. totally agree. <laughs> uh, as far as reason though i think i think some real world animals just kind of have a haunting aspect to them. Like mm-hmm. anglerfish is definitely one of those. But even some of the other critters, um, like the gem crabs in Pandemonium, mm-hmm. they evoke something like that where the little ones are in a way beautiful. Like yeah. they they are extremely hardy. They have this jeweled, crusted appearance. And then you have that aspect where crabs just like kind of keep growing. And because there's not a lot else going on in Pandemonium that the breachers know about, they keep going and keep going and keep going. And we have the giant one go What's by at called? one point. The oh, evolutionary well. thing? Carnification? Cru- cru- uh, I think it's crucifixion. Car- that is not Carcinism? It's car. I don't think it's carcinization. Is it's it something like that? It might be that. It might be that. I thought that was like related to cancer. <laughs> it's something so uh, people are gonna know because it's yeah. become a meme at this point. Everything evolves into a crab. Yes. Um. <laughs> it is carnification. Yeah, carnification. Oh no, that's flush. Anyway, regardless, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> people, people are gonna be like, yeah, yeah, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Uh, th- things turn into crabs. So it's like, okay, what what does that mean for the sphere? Mm-hmm. The questions that you might end up asking yourself in the background with what kind of creature we chose in the first place might end up haunting you more in a way. Yes. In my mind, that kind of makes it a little more... Uh, what am I trying to... It's not quite cosmic horror because we're not like going for a Bloodborne vibe, but it does... It's existential horror. That's, mm-hmm. that's the good word. It's existential horror. It's like... Why is it like that mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. this stage? What what process in evolution are we on? What where are we at biologically? Why mm-hmm. why does it do what it does? Yep. And those questions haunt normal 
normal, real world normal. animals and biologists here on Earth that, mm -hmm. you know, we're just like, why is it thus? Why is it like this? How did it come to this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> great answer. Great answers. Yay. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, next question we have. What were some of the tropes or cliches that you knew you wanted to avoid? Um, this one, I want Stella to answer. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to be like, I can answer this one. Thank you. Um, so there's definitely a few cliches that are prominent in horror that I don't think should be. <laughs> mm. um, a few of those, and it's not even from, I mean, I guess it is from a writing perspective, but also from a production perspective. Um, we always want to, like we don't want necessarily very real problems to come up. Like we want to avoid any kind of uh, sexual connotation being mm. negative. We want to avoid any kind of uh, um, abuse as far as like drug paraphernalia or anything like that. Mm. Um, mental illness. If it's like, you know, explicit, or anything like that. Uh, just just bringing a lot of real real issues that people have in a derogatory or negative sense. I don't think it's good for anyone. A lot, a lot of, of preachers might end up with things like PTSD from the yeah. things that they go through, but it's always going to be treated in like a talk to your professionals kind of manner. Exactly. We're not going to be like memeing on it or anything. No, we definitely don't want to want to have that perspective where like we're making fun of things or where taking things lightly or anything. These, the things that are happening in syntax are traumatizing. Like they are going to be changed people after this. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be real with anyone in real life. And also uh, with, with a lot of things that are in fiction, people are trying to escape the real world. So I don't want to bring a lot of the real world into the kind of productions that we want to do. They're you know, fantastical pieces, and I want them to stay that way. So they're a little more escapey. Yes, for sure. You're Absolutely. you're watching the traumas develop, and you're having fun doing it rather than yeah. trying to go home with homework at the uh, emotional homework. Yeah, that you have to sort we don't out want it yourself. to take an emotional toll unless it's I'm sad for this character because this thing right. happened or something like that. We don't want it to take a a real heaviness to you, real burden or anything like that. Exactly. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the trope or cliche that I thought you were going to address. What were you what were you thinking? That 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 is very prevalent. You notice that a lot of horror stories do the mm -hmm. Silent Hill thing where it's like all in your head or you're trying to put your traumas together. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to talk about the A word. A word. Alien. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about this for a moment. I do. Yes, so, that was what I thought you were going to talk about. I will talk about this briefly, okay? There's a reason why it took a long time for me to accept that syntax was a sci-fi horror, okay? I, Stella did not want to use the word sci-fi anywhere near the story. I did not want to use the word sci-fi or alien or anything like that because everything that I've attributed to sci-fi or alien has been little green men, not scary, gimmicky, boring, frankly, and not entertaining. And I don't want to be that way. 
So I... Or maybe even more of an action story. Because we, we like to say yeah. syntax is an adventure, but we mm -hmm. don't really think of syntax as like action. Mm -hmm. Like boom, pow. It's it's not like that. It's not like a spy novel, even though yeah. Alex thinks it is. Yes, uh, she does. It's, it's a lot more adventure where like stuff is happening, but there's an overarching plot that's carrying it forward. It's not... Mm -hmm transformers or avengers or something like that where it's like yeah. you know biff pal carried on the action like sequences shooting and in yeah. your mind aliens and sci-fi in particular was action not adventure yes. or it, even it's, horror it's more like it, it definitely wasn't horror at all it was more like comical right yeah, yeah that's that's the thing i wanted to avoid i don't want this to be a comedy unless it's between the characters interacting you know and they're like funny having, moments. A, having a good joke or something you know yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I did think it was funny, though, because because the the thing is, is that over time you got to a point where you uh, uh, saw other media and you saw other people reacting to syntax mm -hmm. and calling it sci fi and saying that it had these elements and noticed like the distinct lack of saying things like the A word, the alien word. Yes. Because yes. we were trying to avoid saying things like extraterrestrial or mm -hmm. little green man or things like that because of that vibe that you had. But to Stella's credit, you know, you came around and you were like, you know, okay, it can be scary and it can be more grounded where it's less like you know, we say Star Trek all the time, but mm -hmm. in Star Trek, it's always like uh, alien means it's thinking or it's going to be antagonistic or it's going to be highly advanced. You know, it has all these cliches. And then with ours, it's like, OK, we mean extraterrestrial, but it's like sometimes it's bacteria in a pond yeah. and sometimes mm -hmm. it's a thunderbird and sometimes it's a gem crab. And right. It's it's very natural stuff and possibly yes. down the line maybe sentience will be involved, but it's mm -hmm. going to have a very different vibe to it. Everything yes. is um, a lot more grounded than when you just hear the word aliens off the top of your head. And you're like you said, you're thinking little green men, but you've seen that and you've been like, okay, we can kind of embrace that more. Mm -hmm. The sci-fi aspect more because we're going to have a crew of scientists. So this is going to be a yeah, science fiction. I realize that. Yes, I am actually a science nerd, and that's <laughs> part of the reason why I wanted it to be this way. So, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so next question. Um, opposite of that, what were some of the tropes or cliches you wanted to embrace? Found family, mm. hurt, comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's I had funny to get that, that we in immediately there. diverged from, like, the horror aspect that it could be, but the trope <laughs> we want to embrace isn't a horror trope. It's the character trope. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be. Uh, yeah, I obviously we want to spook you and we want to have lots of creatures and stuff like that, but <laughs> uh, syntax has been described in the Discord server as a romance novel disguised cleverly <laughs> as a horror book. Yes, but correct. it's like. We wanted you to have the you you coming to this horror story and hi Tara. <laughs> Me moving her off my desk while muted. <laughs> I just saw a bunch of text start <laughs> typing across the screen on the question list. Um we wanted uh we wanted people who were looking for a form of escape because we mentioned we didn't want you to come here and like have to address a problem or deal mm -hmm. with something. Syntax is, is 
kind of light in that sense because you're coming here to be entertained. You're coming here to be spooked. You're coming here to have chills and thrills and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the tropes and cliches we want to embrace are the ones that feel comfortable around the characters in particular. So like Stella said, things where somebody's hurt and somebody's rescuing them, somebody's being strong and brave and climbing a tree to rescue somebody, somebody's uh, getting pulled out of, somebody sounds like they're exploding, all these things are going on. And it's just like, you know, um, there are moments where you're like, okay, there's no way they should have survived that, or there's no way that should have occurred or things like that. And we want to try to keep it as real as possible. But at the same time, most people are probably here to listen to the found family. Right. Most people want to hear this group of people who came here and maybe they still like their family or maybe they're a little detached, whatever stage all of them are at. This is now their unit. They have to stick together. This is breachers for life. And whatever happens down the line, they have to try to make that work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're absolutely embracing that because, you know, I there's nothing wrong with a story where everybody is serving their own ends. You know, there's a way to make a more cutthroat world work. But in this one, these little brothers and sisters and uh, mamas and papas and all parts in between are just going to try to stick it out for each other. Yeah. Very important. Very important tropes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Slash As far as horror trope or cliche, not mm -hmm. just talking about the characters. I think like we said uh, earlier, I think one of our favorite ones is, um, oh, the cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Obviously, we have a ton of cliffhangers, and that's something we we enjoy doing, <laughs> keeping Extremely. the edge of, of your seats kind of aspect, for sure. It's a, it's a big cliche, but it's one that I think works tremendously well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you always want to leave people guessing about where they're going to pop into the next one, because mm -hmm. I think some people try to front load episodes sometimes, make it sound interesting in the beginning. I like yeah. to have like a big finale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like it to feel like a slow build up to the thing that's going to make you wish it was Thursday again. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Keep them wanting as, as yeah. it goes. <laughs> Keep them yearning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I got a little coffee. <laughs> I heard that. Um, okay. Next question we have again. Um, do you have a favorite fav favorite? Favorite Frank line Blank. or segment that you wrote? Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, sorry. Every single word that comes <laughs> out of my keyboard is my favorite ever. No. I mean, obviously you want to back your own work, but I, there are moments where I have screen captured something that I've written and sent it to Stella and be like, this, this is really good, right? This is this is like this is perfect, weird. right? This is <laughs> I was really clever once here, right? <laughs> but uh if I had to think specifically right now, because uh, the problem is is I'm kind of like in the midst of doing season two stuff, so mm -hmm. yeah, you can't uh, say I too much. Of, season two. Yeah, I well, I, d I don't want to use the season two. I want to yeah. I want to think of like a, a so far a, mm -hmm. a season one line, but it's hard because I have the brain of a goldfish and I've already <laughs> forgotten all of season one and won't be able to reference anything <laughs> ever again. Uh, what 
trying to think of like one line. I can tell you my favorite line. Go ahead. Go ahead. It might you help know, jumpstart me. You know, the um, in in episode nine, of course, because episode nine is still his favorite episode, <laughs> as we all know, um, when Silas is monologuing in the first part and he talks about reaching up the mountains, reaching up to the heavens in supplication. You remember? Yes. The fingers of the giant. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It. I every time I read that line for like the first, I would say probably until it actually I listened to it after it was uploaded, made me cry every time. I don't know why, but it just it really hit something hit the hit the finality that Silas really thought it was going to be the end. So that is I remember you mentioning that mm because I was like, what do people always do when they're right on the edge? I got it. I got the exact line because. It's it's so beautiful to me. <laughs> okay, so as I said, Silas is in the moth nest in episode nine, doing his his death monologue, basically. Um, his so dirge. Says, yeah, right. He says, "Even here, I can see, I can see the mountaintops sweeping up near the nest. They look like a giant's fingers reaching to the heavens in supplication, begging for one more day, just one more day." And that was always mm. like, oh my goodness, it it really ah uh, gets my heart running, you know. Huh. That's right. You did. That's mention my favorite that. line. That's my favorite line. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna go with uh, a funny. A funny. Because uh, the mine whole... was too serious, guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just it's the one that sticks out to me because I mm-hmm. always think of the witticisms instead of like specific dramatic lines i'm always mm-hmm. thinking of the moments where somebody's like just being okay. some of the alex naming sessions oh my god i feel They're like so was some funny. of the most brilliant fiction ever written <laughs> <laughs> very very egotistically i'm like cherry tomato that was incredible wasn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. but um one of my other favorites the whole conversation in episode 12 between mm-hmm. cassius and silas in the linguistics office is great love that but i always think of the one from 18 when cassius and silas are in the archival lab oh yes and silas goes monologuing if you can develop a taste for my or if you can pick up a sense of what does he say oh gosh see i like the line but i can't remember it off the top of my head um i remember i know it's cynical impropriety impropriety. (laughs) yep Oh, and then it's, it's something um, like nihilistic camaraderie. That's what it ah, is. Ah, yes. Nihilistic camaraderie. That <laughs> one was good because it sounds so Silas. It sounds so Silas. He's using all the big and words then he can muster in that moment. And just like, who are you calling proper, Buster? Mm-hmm. Who are you calling proper? Keep your nouns Never off you. me. Never <laughs> you. So funny. I do, I do love that line a lot. That was a great mm-hmm. line for 18. Perfect. Perfect. Love okay. It. Really good. Um, okay, this is a question for you, kind of, because you didn't really talk about it too much. Do you have any specific inspirations for syntax from other ADs or media? Hmm. Uh, at the time of writing syntax, the only AD I had listened to was I was in progress for Magnus Archive, which I've since mm-hmm. finished. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to digest other ADs, but I would definitely say it's 
I, I was always more of a bookish kid. Big surprise. <laughs> Big surprise. Um, the man who plays Silas was a bookish kid. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so it definitely probably drew more from that because I was never, I still am not really a big TV watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm obviously aware of tropes from like Star Trek and things like that, but I don't think I've even watched much Star Trek. I usually get dragged along by my wife who's like, I'm going to watch Voyager for the third time <laughs> and you have to see it with me. <laughs> but um, for me, I always either watched bigger movies, like obvious, you know, Lord of the Rings has got to be way up there on the list. We love we love a fellowship Yes, we love a we love a group of people that have got some kind of quest and they've got mm-hmm. to watch each other's back. Um, other uh, books or movies, though, I had mentioned that I always liked a good adventure, something in the veins of like uh, Treasure uh, Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even Treasure Planet is such a great movie. Love that one. Love Absolutely. all the characters in that one, and the very different kind of story that it was trying to tell mm-hmm. obviously taking root in treasure island but giving it such a neat spin and a completely different world with unfamiliar technology and biology going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but other things i would say for syntax i've always loved um i've always loved monster stories where the monster is never very clear yes so less sure. Frankenstein or uh, Dracula. Great, great stories. But for syntax, it was always a bit more. Uh, man, I'm trying to think like off the top. I, I'm, I'm terrible at trying to like recollect specific <laughs> things when I when it comes down to it. It's OK. It's OK. <laughs> something something where the monster is just like it's not necessarily in the title card. It's something that's going to come to get you later. I would even say I would even say something like Dune was kind of inspiring because it's not right in the title. Mm -hmm. But once you read it, the imagery of the sandworm and things like it and how it influences the people in it. Are such a key point of the story, right? It's so Mm -hmm. terrifying and it's so incontrovertible. It's something you can't change or if you tried to, it would take thousands of years to try to enact some scheme upon it. Yeah. Um, but you just have this creature that just is. You can't explain it necessarily, but you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. A, it's a fact of life. And with syntax, it's like, okay, we get to have these breaches and we get to have these creatures in it. That maybe you can't fully explain it and maybe you don't want to, but it's here and we got to do something about it. Yep. And yep. in the meantime, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background where we're leaving the breadcrumb trail to lead you to some kind of confrontation or, you know, a finale where it all has to come together and the story has to conclude satisfactory. And I'm hoping with syntax that we can pull that off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm hoping we can give you a really satisfying, crunchy story that is like a full (laughs) package. Delicious bread. Yeah, it's you'll you'll have some mysteries, but along the way, some of the more mysterious aspects are going to get delved upon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to be like, oh, I see. I see. I see. Like, yeah. So that's a good way to bring Dune into it, because like with Dune, it was very political, like, you know, emperors and princes and margraves and all kinds of things going on with syntax. It's a lot more like personal level. It's going to be breachers and vincula and the critters inside and the authors of this book and who all 
is playing in this part and what is going on precisely. Mm-hmm. And we're very slowly measuring it out. But the part that's satisfying to know is that the whole thing is in your hand. Yes. Like, I've, I've got it. I know what I'm trying to tell you guys, but I'm giving it little, little one piece at a time, you know? <laughs> And you're going to have a whole piece of toast at the end. But right now, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. Bread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very agreed. I think that's a good point. I love I love a unidentified monster as well for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Something um, lurking in the corner that's only going to come out later. Exactly. Great. Okay. Uh, next question. I like this question as well. <laughs> Did you have any qualms about writing in character death? <laughs> hmm, Ty, did you have any qualms? I would Miss Bone, no. Killed her ass. Miss Bone, no. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. <laughs> it's funny, too, because I, I don't think... Obviously, we didn't write her as, like, a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't really hate her. But it was kind of satisfying. It Kai, was. if you're reading this, don't, Kai, don't read sorry. it. Kai, we're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's not read into it. We're sorry. We we <laughs> did that to you, but it kind of felt good. You know, you like you like a you like a villain that gets curb stomped sometimes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, sometimes but you need it. You know what? I do think I did. I, I I do think I had one. Oh, I didn't necessarily want to kill Fred off. Yeah, I remember. I had to be the final say on that. Yeah, I was, I was like, like All right, it's, it's time. It's really up to you, but I I'm kind of. You know, like we we said earlier, he was a red shirt. You have mm-hmm. a trope, and you know you're gonna use it. You're you're able to give that little emotional punch to the story without being hyper invested in the character or anything and tear people up. You Fred was serious now. I like Fred being a little goofy in the background. You know, starting with the prologue. Fred that was far fun back. to have. He's just like here, kitty, 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 that kitty. kind of thing. You know, kind of a. Kind of a uh, a grunt vibe, you know, like a like a uh, what's his name, Igor mm-hmm. Frankenstein, just mm-hmm. kind of dim witted, but you know, he's he's going along with it. Um, and then Stella was like, <laughs> "He must go." It's time. I was like, "All right, goodbye, Fred." <laughs> I, I was thinking that one more than Bo for sure for you. I think Bo mm-hmm. <laughs> was definitely more satisfying. I would say. Uh, but I feel a lot worse about the ones that are coming out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you were going to hint at anything. I wanted to be a jackass and be like, oh, but these other ones. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Anyways. <laughs> if you're Rain, I'm so sorry about that feeling. Your heart dropping in your stomach. But, you know, it must be done. Get used to it. <laughs> Put your put your bets in now. Who's it going to be? <laughs> All right. Next question. Did you have any sections that were particularly difficult to write or sections that suffered from heavy writer's block? So it's Ooh. interesting, I think. Um, I remember um, trying to say it was somewhere in like the 1314 area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. do remember that was a little bit of a difficult section. Getting into pandemonium was hard to write about because we have this delicate balancing act mm-hmm. between I want to write a science fiction and you're saying science or you're saying fiction. Yeah. 
Yeah. I could sit here and chat all day about all the crazy stuff that I think happens in Pandemonium or any of the breaches, really. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does come to a point where for any average listener, it's too much. Or really, I think another aspect is is it's not going to matter. You mm-hmm. don't want to put all the details in because there's not really a way to tell the story without 300, 400 episodes later yeah. making all those details even matter to the plot. You're kind of trying to address the things that are going to be significant and still keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into Pandemonium, I remember being really difficult because I wanted to describe how they couldn't do the electronics. They had to have the suits, but it's not like a full body isolation suit. It's not like they're getting into an astronaut gear. They just need supplemental oxygen and like a filter, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And that ended up being pretty difficult because I had to do a lot of like side research because I had an idea of how hazmat worked from previous life experiences but didn't want to stumble over it too much and didn't want to get into it too much. Yeah. But I had to still get us there. So it was like, I remember finishing 12 because 12 is a pretty fluffy episode. Mm -hmm. I remember 12 really fondly. And then unlucky number 13 comes up and it's like, (laughs) okay, now you have to describe the whole process of getting to pandemonium and starting it in a way that sounds scientifically fun but also fictional enough that it's like okay we're here now Mm -hmm. we got there Mm -hmm. you know because you can always snap your fingers and show people there but i i like to give enough backdrop to it that it's like okay this is a group of scientists that are really trying their best and actually preparing for it Mm -hmm. but it's a bit of a tightrope act indeed indeed yeah i do remember that being a little bit of a strenuous task but definitely got there definitely got there i i enjoyed those episodes a lot Mm-hmm. From a uh, editing perspective, <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with them. <laughs> um, okay, great. So those are all the questions from Rain for the writing questions. Um, mm-hmm. Next, we have one from Galland again. Um, so this is kind of a question that we may not be able to expand upon. Um, word by word. <laughs> what happened with the hazy dissociation happening between the team and possible doppelganger among them, which seemed to ebb around them finding the second breach. Mm. It's a really good question. It's a great question. I will say we left a tiny breadcrumb of that because um, when we looked back at it in, you know what? I think that takes place in 13, doesn't it as well? Because we kind of had to go Uh, back and be like, Mm -hmm. come back to it. Um, When they have their conversation, uh, them uh, being, Silas, Cassius, and Greg in particular, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. T- discussing some of the things that ha- t- took place in the several days prior. Um, and Greg seems to be pretty hazy about it, too. Yes. And I think that that helps explain some things because it's like. It's, sometimes it's easy to look at characters and say that this is like word of God coming mm-hmm. from every character. Mm-hmm. But there is an aspect of. Uh, some of these characters are walking all day. And if you're like hiking all the time for your job and going through a lot of near death experiences, sometimes your recollection might not be perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes you might get some details wrong and sometimes that might snag things up along the way. But at the same time, do we need to trust those words? And is this something that was a little too obvious mm-hmm. that we really should be worried about it? But is it is it bad enough that you would be worried about it? 
when you're when you're looking at it from a listener perspective, sometimes these details, because you know they're obvious, they stick out to you. Mm -hmm. But I really try to place emphasis on I'm listening to a much bigger story going on around these characters. And this detail at this time didn't stick out to them. Yeah. But maybe it's significant later. Yes, indeed. And as you mentioned, finding the second breach was big enough news that, you know, probably a little oopsie might have gotten swept under the rug. Something just a bit. might have fallen through the cracks. But perhaps it's something to keep an eye on for later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything has a purpose. I like to think <laughs> so. Syntax is going to be one of we those try. that I hope bites a lot of people in the ass. <laughs> mm -hmm. No offense to y'all. Good luck. <laughs> Alrighty. So these next two are from Dallas. Um, how long? <laughs> I'm going to ask these in tandem because, first of all, these are very funny to me. And also they kind of mm -hmm. relate to each other. How long does it take Ty to come up with Silas's lines? And... How often does he have to look for a bigger word to replace what he already has written down because it's Silas? <laughs> the 12 cent words are so important to mm -hmm. Silas. Indeed. He loves he loves the larger. The, Not to toodle my own horn or anything, but I don't have to crack open a thesaurus too many times. This for is Silas. true. And it enrages me every day because I. It enrages our whole cast. Yes, because. Not only do I, as a director, have to figure out how to pronounce said word, um, <laughs> but the cast is like, what does this mean? <laughs> because Silas do be coming up with some, with def definitely some thesaurus pieces out here, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm trying to be like, yeah, he's a total encyclopedia, but uh, I a lot of folks in the cast say I have like boomer dialogue naturally. Yes, and this I is think true. it's just like a result of the upbringing that I had, where like my mom was like, "You're gonna have classical education, mm -hmm. and you're gonna get it drilled into your head, whether you like it or not." And now Which I have the lexicon of somebody from us. the 1960s or 70s. Yeah. This helps us, honestly. Honestly, it it makes Silas sound very believable. But honestly, honestly, the Silas dialogue is easy. The Cassius yes. dialogue is hard. Because what I have to do for Cassius is go back and make them sound less verbose because I end up writing the dialogue and I have to go back and be like, okay, Cassius isn't stupid, but Cassius doesn't, <laughs> Cassius used few word where few word were good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why use many if, word when few exactly. word were good? <laughs> Those are the times when I have to be like, okay, Ty, um, this sounds like Silas. I need you to... Make it sound like Cassius. Stella said those exact words, exact <laughs> words. You have to make this sound more Cassius because mm -hmm. Cassius is sounding like Silas. Because I'm mm -hmm. getting the Silas groove, yep. and then Cassius will be and like, "Wherefore art thou considering?" Yeah, they're oftentimes <laughs> communicating together, so it's really easy when you go to the next piece of dialogue if it's Cassius to kind of be like, "Oh, it's the same type of speech," but yeah, certainly not. <laughs> And the thing is, Cassius gets it a lot of times. We we don't yeah. want to put across the vibe that Cassius doesn't oh, understand. Yeah, they're a lot of intelligent. Times. They're intelligent. They, for they sure. are actively making fun of the overwrought performance mm -hmm. that Silas is bringing, and but still choosing to use those smaller words because you know it's just Cassius' style. It's, you're not going to have somebody say. talking like that. It's a totally different vibe. Yeah. And yeah, it, I yeah I have to crack open a thesaurus now and again, but it's like. 
I gotta I gotta bring it down. I'm already out here with the uh, <laughs> what did I say the other day? Oh. Something about something about it was it was totally it meant face palming, but I I used something oh brow beating. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? <laughs> Literally some of the stuff he says I've never heard in my adult life uh, ever. <laughs> I am horrified by this man's vocabulary at some point. Silas is in terms of vocabulary, Silas is an extension of Ty. How how about that? I Say read that. Too many old books, I'm sorry. <laughs> He'd be out here with Wuthering Heights on his desk. I was I came out in the real world and I was like, "You guys have color TV?" Mhm. Mm this is a thing now. You guys don't have black and white anymore? I only know I was about to I was about books. to watch uh, Gene Kelly or uh, some <laughs> oh Fred Astaire. God. I was gonna truly gonna watch some older movies. I was gonna be out here with some Greta Garbo going on, and y'all oh got gosh. some newer things going on. Avengers, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. So that wraps up our writing questions category. Yay! Now we move on. Well, see y'all later. I'm, uh, I'm checking out. <laughs> no. Now we move on to my category. Here. That means I need to ask these. Okay. I get okay. to have a little fun. <laughs> these questions following were asked by Rain and pertain, like you said, to the editing of the show. Mm -hmm. First off, we have what pushed you to develop a horror podcast over any other genre? And this especially pertains to Stella because I will always <laughs> point out that while I write the show, Stella edits, but also I would always, always tell people Stella created the show. Mm -hmm. The whole premise started with a Stella idea. I just expounded on it. <laughs> so why a horror podcast? So I love horror. I think it is extremely entertaining it can be from so many different viewpoints and it's also like one of the most creative fields and i've heard from a few other podcasters that um it, horror along with comedy is like those are the most difficult genres to make believable because you have so many horror media that's like not great like b tier right we're thinking about like old bad bad horror movies b tier movies um even like some books or whatnot that are just they're they're horror quote unquote but it's mostly you know slashing people's faces open or something like that i think mm. horror is a great place to push yourself and push the human mind into what terrifies you. I love I love exploring human nature through the viewpoint of horror. I think it's extremely interesting and I think there's so many like ways to do it and that's that's the number one reason also horror scary and sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I yeah, I really love and I also love how it pushes characters together oftentimes or apart, honestly, if they have some sort of you know, um, friction between whatever force they're dealing with or whatever environment they've been placed in in the horror genre. It, it almost always pushes them together, pushes certain characters that make the same decisions or have the same ideology together 
or it can create those fissures between other characters who might not get along and might have selfish attitudes or, you know, different perspectives. So it's a really interesting genre to explore, I think. Good point. Good point. It's really sad now that you mentioned it about the splitting apart thing, because, you know, uh... we had a lot going on with Silas, but now that he's gone, it's going to be yeah. really difficult to continue developing the story in that aspect oh, now that rip. they've been driven apart. Truly, truly. It's going to be a lot of friction <laughs> for sure. We can say that. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna bode poorly for the love triangle question mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. <laughs> yeah, that is factual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, great, great answer. And I mean, <laughs> just to chip in just a touch, I was fully on board with the project as presented because horror is, like Stella said, such an interesting way to explore the human mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When it's presented with something you can't understand or that terrifies it, you kind of become your most base self. Yes. In that moment. And you get to see the characters go through that and really show who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's get to the next question. I think we kind of covered this. Yes. I'll go ahead and ask it again. But if there's any additional info you thought of, we can cover it. Uh, mm-hmm. Why go with the Akkadian culture for the show? Ancient text. Good. Yeah. I think I think I think I think we, we, we pretty think we much expounded on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, ancient ancient language, good. Alphabetical, yada yada, cuneiform, lore yeah. reasons, dead Not language. <laughs> Doesn't Silas have to be Latin. is special boy. <laughs> we we didn't want to fall into the trap of everybody no. speaks Latin because it's no, old. Boring. <laughs> or yeah. or Greek. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with those. Obviously very prevalent, but we could go a little deeper and pick something more specific. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> I feel like there's something fairly pointed about this question, but there I can't is. put I feel like there's I feel like this question needs to chill mm. a little bit. Mm. I feel like this I feel like we need to close the door on this question. <laughs> I'm think... gonna save what you're talking about for later because there there's a specific thing. This question we need to ice it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying, Ty. <laughs> Rain asks, do you have a favorite sound bite that you made? So <laughs> Ty is saying all of this. Grab your popcorn. There, there is a joke in the syntax community um, about a certain fridge noise that makes an appearance in episode 12 when June and Silas are in the kitchen of Vincula and June opens the fridge. I made that fridge noise from scratch because I couldn't find one that I was satisfied. You know, you when you open a fridge, you have the opening of the door, the kind of like dunk of the open. And then you have mm-hmm. the bottles in the fridge rattling around. So there's always some movement, right? And then you have the humming of the fridge, all that kind of stuff. I could not find a sound that works like that. So I made the sound with like an opening noise, a bottle rattling noise, and there's some other noises layered on top of that. Um, and I was super proud of it because the final product sounded exactly like a fridge open a full fridge opening right and i was and it does very proud of it (laughs) and then i showed ty very excitedly when i was done with it and i was like listen to this fridge noise and he goes why didn't you just find the sound on our platform that we use which is sound snap and i said i looked and i couldn't find anything and and i think he was asleep at the time so i couldn't like message him and be like hey 
can you find me the fridge noise? By the way, Ty is our fully finder person. He finds all of the fully for me to add into the show. Um, and he goes on SoundSnap for approximately 20 seconds and finds the exact noise I was looking for. And it upset me greatly. And I did not put the noise that he found in because I was so proud of my fridge noise that I kept it in. <laughs> so that is the fridge noise that you hear and love in episode 12. But other than that, favorite sound vibes might be the that I've made, like made from scratch. Probably going to be the water pouring on the link stone because that I made from scratch. Also, the marbles rolling and grinding in episode That's another eight. good one. Mm-hmm. These are these are all good ones. The, <laughs> the the only thing I wanted to mention about the fridge noise is the disconnect in my head was <laughs> I thought when you showed me the new noise that you were trying to tell me that's more what you were going for. Because the way our Foley process works, fairly simple. Stella goes through and makes the list of Foley that she needs. Mm -hmm. I go to SoundSnap and I'm like, okay, I wrote the script and Stella will include notes about like, okay, this is kind of more specifically what I'm looking for. I'll go through and find the noises and put a couple. Uh, sometimes it's just one, you know, this Foley finding yeah. can be a big task into itself. Most of the time I try to get at least two or three to be like, okay, this is like an example. This is as close as I could get that kind of thing. And then we put it, you know, Stella puts it in and actually figures out which one's going to sound best. When Stella told me about the fridge door, I was in the mode of we're fixing Foley. I'm going to have to go find a different mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking, oh, she's already made one, so we can just stick with this. <laughs> I was like, okay, why don't we just go to SoundSnap and be like, all right, here's the sound, and it's got more bottles clinking. I, I remember focusing on the bottles because I was like, okay, the other fridge doors just sounded like an empty fridge opening. Exactly. So let's get one with the bottles And that's what inside. I didn't like, to be fair. So And it was fixed, but I was like, it's right here. And then I had to like double back and be like, but the sound you made was really good. It's, yeah, this is. I was so upset. Fit. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot explain to y'all how like upset I was that the fridge noise could be found in that moment, and I didn't have to make that. And also, Ty was like, "We can just use this one," and I was like, "But I made one, and it's good." <laughs> and you know what? It is. Oh, I would have goodness. to say, since we do work on a lot of our own monster noises, the secret's out, everyone. Yes. We make yeah. a lot of our own in-house monster noises. Um, one of my favorite ones to work on with you was the uh, jellyfish from... Yeah, the jellyfish was fun. From episode 16? Uh, 16, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was 16, yeah. That 16, one correct. was... We've made a lot of good ones. I always get this feeling. That it's one's really so cool. spooky. Yeah, I, I always get this feeling when we do some of the other noises, like the uh, weird dog-like creatures mm -hmm. in Gaia. I always get this feeling when we're close, like it's kind of chilling. Like mm -hmm. It's kind of going up your spine, like you're like, because you're listening to it at max volume and you're like, all right, this sounds really creepy. Mm -hmm. That one, that one was like a thunderstruck moment. That one was like, <laughs> this sounds wild. Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near this thing. This one sounds, would you say, extraterrestrial? No, I don't. Mm, not really. You know, actually, I was getting definitely more of a Eldritch vibe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, extraterrestrial chimey kind of thing. It could Eldritch. be. It could be. But with Eldritch, you get more of like a primeval extraterrestrial. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's like it's like something out there that's much much worse than mere <laughs> alien. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yes, I, right. I love jellyfish Next. too. 
Oh, yeah. The jellyfish is really good. <laughs> Next question. Mm -hmm. Has there been any parts about working on syntax that you didn't like? Ooh, barbed question. Wow, for real. Rain wants to know the drama, the tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> writing sessions with me. Awful. Let's talk about that. Atrocious. <laughs> also directing sessions with Ty. Atrocious. No. Oh, that's true. I'm such a prima donna. <laughs> no, I have to say I... I put so much work into this project because I love it so much. I literally, <laughs> I would, I would rather, I would not rather do anything else. I want to do this. Like I want to work on syntax and I want to work on any other ADs for my life. That is what I want to do. And honestly, I haven't found anything that really has been like that. I've always been, had negatives to stuff I've worked on, but this is like, one thing where I can't really, ha I don't really have a strict negative. Um, there's things that like aren't favorable or were tough. It's it, like some of the episodes I had some harder times working different scenes out or like action scenes. Like for instance, episode 18 was really tough for me because there was a, obviously at the end, there's such a long action scene. It's um like 10 minutes or five minutes, something like that. Of just mm -hmm. raw adrenaline, like action pumping kind of scenes. And um, <laughs> that was really tough. That was really tough. But the only other thing I really, <laughs> I guess, isn't favorable is like um, asking for retakes sometimes. <laughs> but I don't really have to do that very often now because we have directed sessions so it's not it's not even because you have to ask it's more it's more like the hey sorry this yeah. just didn't turn oh, out it's sorry, it's kind of it's it it feels bad because we have people that work so hard on it and you don't want to make them feel bad because they are doing mm -hmm. such a great job exactly. but you have that moment where you're like this needs to be done again there's yeah. the thing absolutely absolutely Oh, gosh. I, I was laughing earlier because I was remembering you editing the action sequence because mm -hmm. I think I had to be the biggest cheerleader of all time oh, during yeah. the 18 process, the episode Absolutely. 18 process. That, that was, was uh, blood, sweat, and tears, everyone. <laughs> blood, sweat, tears, despair, mm -hmm. actual horror taking yes. place in our daily lives yes. because we were having to <laughs> deal with this tremendous action sequence because we both wanted it mm -hmm, we didn't mm -hmm. we didn't want to go back and like fix it to where it was a totally different scenario we were like this is this is how it goes but this is going to be a tremendous undertaking to make it sound legit it was a big effort and i sure. think you did a tremendous job on it for real Yay. <laughs> it was tough Thank but it, it paid off tremendously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i am i'm very proud of the end product for sure so you should wouldn't be. change it wouldn't change it what a product it is if I do say so myself. <laughs> I'm not say so. All right. Next question is by Gallant. And it says, background audio was great and really helped mentally visualize the story taking place. Is that a question or a statement? It just says mentioned by. I just put oh, them in there. Oh, mentioned by. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You, <should> you know. <laughs> All right, I just patted ourselves on the back and you included some praise in this Q&A. I just wanted to say thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Gallant. I really appreciate it. I mean, I mean, we do appreciate really the compliment. I was waiting it. for the Q part. I got, I got 
duped by that. There's no Q. There is no question. My apologies. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you, Galland. Appreciate that so much. <laughs> I didn't want to leave it out because they asked. So No, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> it, you're saying it went on the Q&A form? Yes, it, just wasn't it went on the question. Q&A form. Okay, okay. Yes. That's fair enough. All of well, this we was on the Q&A the form only. So. Stella does tremendous work with the background audience stuff because that I, I I help pick the Foley, but obviously all of the engineering and things are done by Stella. And it uh, it really helps sell the scene because I think mm -hmm. something that ADs have to work on really hard is how they're going to present their story so that it's not an audiobook. Yeah, because most sure. audiobooks may have a background track, may not. Uh, but it's mostly just somebody reading out everything for you. And you mm -hmm. have to visualize it with that person. You may get some voice acting. It's technically it's all voice acting, but it's yeah. like, you know, there's a difference between the narration and the acting portion. So with an AD, it's like, OK, how do we sound distinct and how do we make it sound like an actual radio play? Mm -hmm. Old school way of putting it. And mm -hmm. Stella had an idea of how this was all going to go with the recorders and the the ambiences and things like that. I think Stella works harder on the ambiences than anything else. I worked really hard on the ambiences. Yeah. You hear the recorder click on and hopefully those couple of things that she does that don't seem like much at the time just go so flawlessly into it that you're <laughs> like, OK, I know where I am just based on the sounds I'm hearing. That's always the goal. I, I some make a very specific place. Or very right. Specific some places will be everywhere. new. Mm -hmm. But some things you'll be like, okay, I remember this. I know exactly where I am. They don't even have to talk about it. I've mm -hmm. heard this before. I am in so-and-so's office. I am at such-and-such such a place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's always the goal and it for is ambience, excellent. for sure. Thank you. <laughs> so, next question. I think we've talked about this a little, so you can just give us a numerical <laughs> answer if you want. Yes. But this question comes from Dallas. Uh -huh. And says exactly how long did you work on that refrigerator noise probably an hour <laughs> and time well spent it was next question <laughs> what is the process of layering and adjusting the volume of the layers like who okay so i will try not to expound too much upon these kind of more technical questions i'm not sure how interested everyone is in them but i will make it clear what I do. So I use the program or the DAW, uh, which is digital audio workstation. Um, wow. <laughs> You've got an acronym and everything. <laughs> and everything. I use I Adobe want to Audition. write and I pick up a pen and paper. You don't see <laughs> me calling First of all, a you're a liar. You do not pick up a pen and paper. Don't even Hold on. I'm sitting people. down at my pap or pen and paper, as I call it. <laughs> Paps here. <laughs> So basically I use Adobe Audition and um, with Adobe Audition, you have something called a multi-track, which is what all of the projects, all of the episodes are made on. Um, and each multi-track can be used for a different purpose. Um, not everyone does it the way I do, um, but I enjoy the way I do it mostly because it gives me a lot of control and it's how I learned as well. But basically, um, for the process of layering and adjusting the volumes. So in a SFX 
point of view. Um, basically, I have an ambience track. Sometimes there are there are there are several ambience tracks, just depending on the location, um, and the mic as well. Because if it's Silas's mic, his little friend, as he calls it, uh, I have a layer or a track of static on as well, just so it gives that kind of underlying uh, bad quality of a personal microphone that's not quite uh, you know utility grade. Um, and basically what I do is I take each track and I match them at decibel ranges. So usually for when I'm in the editing mode and I haven't gotten the final mixer done, I try to have all of the, um, dialogue tracks at around, uh, negative six to like negative 12 decibels. They're all in the yellow range of decibels. Uh, which is most of where most of our hearing lies. So um, like it's not too loud, but it's not too quiet either. You can pick up the nuances really easily. Um, for SFX, I go a little bit lower usually, uh, unless it's a really loud SFX that I want to be like very prominent in the scene. Um, those are usually around negative 20, negative uh, 25, something around there. And then for ambiences, I try to keep it around like negative 30 or uh, lower, like negative 30 to negative 40 range. Um, and that just makes it to where kind of every level of decibels is being taken up. So when you have the layering and the volumes and everything, they're hitting your ears at different, at different waves, right? So it's, it's a very much like a, it's, it's a very sensory experience. Um, everything matters as far as the layering goes. And then, um, as far as like adjusting layers of SFX for like certain sounds, it's really dependent on the sound and depending on where it's coming from or if it's close or uh, far away, anything like that. Um, but generally it's like I layer a couple sounds on top of each other with different timings and they're normally around the same volume level. Uh, so once again, using that decibel range as sort of a guide for that. It's very important because you want it to all be pretty pretty matching as far as the decibel selection goes so yeah if that made sense <laughs> was that sufficiently opaque to everyone else i'm so glad <laughs> i tried to be specific <laughs> the 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 thing i'll say is uh i am really impressed with how far you've come along with the editing process because when we started this you had zero experience zero and experience. i only knew a uh, premiere because I yeah. do video work. We did the first episode or two of syntax in premiere. And somebody said, you're a dumbass," Which Not is why they're being like reworked. That, <laughs> yes, exactly. They are being reworked. Um, but lovingly said, we're dumbasses for doing that. <laughs> Got Stella started on the process. And here a year later, Stella is now pretty far along the editing process. Um, obviously there's still tons mm -hmm. to learn in any field that you're in. Always. But now you are like, you know, you're, you you got peers in the AV world now <laughs> where you're figuring out how all this stuff works and looking at the science behind it and making it all blend together. And all of that just within the last 12 months or so. Very impressive. Thank you. I will find <laughs> everyone, but I love it. I promise it's great. <laughs> we will do it as long as we can, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Next question. When you decide you want to come up with an original sound, What's the thought process and how do you eventually come to select your choice? I think we went into detail about one sound in particular, but we'll try to ignore <laughs> that one. Yeah. So 
whatever we want to do an original sound as in we we make or curate the sound um a little bit more specifically to our taste i would think the most often it comes up in is ambiences and um monster noises so monster noises are the big one monster noises are the big one because those are always original we don't just put anything in and leave it there like that's never that has never been done um so even if it's a creature that's really close to an earth analog we're always like we want to make it sound just off enough that Mm -hmm. you get the vibe from it but there's something weird going yes yeah we always want it to be unique unique to us in our soundscaping Mm -hmm. so we already knew going into syntax that we wanted all of our creatures to be that way so there wasn't really a decision points for that other than that we already knew from the beginning that all of the creatures that we set out to create we wanted to have original sounds to them um and then for the ambiences we're kind of dealing with not uh familiar places to everyone so they can be a little bit more familiar we have for instance uh, the first breach which is gaia um that's definitely like a familiar noise more so to everyone it's it's forest noises and all that kind of stuff um chirping constantly birds going overhead but odd birds but odd yeah there's always there's always something a little bit different with the ambiences and oftentimes i layer ambiences uh in in a specific multi-track and then export that as its own mp3 to add in later um which is a little bit more technical but uh, basically, it's just saying that we we have our own way of doing ambience as well, where it's not a cookie cutter ambience either. Um, so I would say pretty much the decision is never a thing because it just always happens. It's never really we don't need to make that that we don't need to have that moment where we're like, oh, we should we make this noise because we always do so. There's not really a decision behind it, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely more of like a we a, a policy more. Yeah, or less, exactly. It's like if we're in a strange place and we're seeing a strange thing, then those are the two things that need a different sound. Mm-hmm, exactly. I don't want to really just pull a stock noise off of our, our thing, which you can have plenty of good quality sound, oh, of course, of but course. it's not going to sound like what you want it to sound. Mm-hmm. Like. And trying to make it all from like a voice file, like trying to do it yourself is very tough because we're not always going to be out here uh super uh foley maker gauge odom and be able to squawk <laughs> and make it sound like exactly <laughs> Though an there bird. are some yes there are some uh we do credit gauge with the making the gaian bird in particular mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Course, but bird. like stella said it's like we know what we want to sound odd and we can take things that sound good but make it sound different by adding other things to it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. distorting it and doing things, you know, lots of different techniques to it. Um, I kind of want to tie this in with the next question. I'll go ahead and ask it. Um, How do you make your own original sounds? And if I could, we should talk about one noise in particular. Okay. And I was going to talk about the uh, dog-like creatures from Gaia. Mm. Which is one of the first monster noises that we made. Yes. Because uh, we have the guy and bird, but I think that was a little less interesting to work on. But yeah. with the dogs, it was like, okay, later you get a little bit more of a look at their morphology because mm-hmm. you have that uh, kind of dragonfly head that they mention in episode nine mm-hmm. and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it kind of reveals the process of making that sound because okay we said this is a creature it's going to sound like something it's going to evoke something mm -hmm. so we started with the obvious wolf howls right yeah coyote good and starting wolves. point mm -hmm. coyotes and wolves we get the dog howling noise and we're like okay you, you've got something canine going on you put that in and then we were like okay we already know how this creature looks like we know that it's partially a bug so mm -hmm. how we can make this sound a little different is we can actually put a bug noise into it. Yep. So when we opened up Audition, we were like, okay, what's a good bug that's kind of irritating and kind of not really threatening, but something that we could put with a wolf noise to kind of mess it up. So we got a cicada call because mm -hmm. they've got that really harsh, uh, not a, not a chitter. Yeah, like a shriek. Um, and then we have to be really... Uh, specific about it because you don't just want to have that noise playing in the background because of mm -hmm. course a cicada can hold that noise for a long time so this was like you know a 30 second 60 second stretch whereas a wolf can howl for like you know 10 15 seconds at a time mm -hmm. so we actually changed the 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 way the sound goes so that it like the cicada noise rises with the wolf howl peaks and then fades out mm -hmm. And then after you've done that, because that's actually a little more time intensive than you might think, making the volumes like match super specifically and make mm -hmm. it fade out with the rest. Um, then you have to like distort it in a way that makes them kind of blend because believe it or not, there's not a magic button on audition that just says blend. Yeah, no. You all have to be of, like all the volume and everything or effects yep. are done by hand pretty much. Exactly. You have to be like, okay, I'm going to give it a little reverb. I'm going to give it a little echo. I'm going to give it a little this, give it a little that. A lot of it is experimentation because neither one of us are sound engineers. Mm -hmm. But because we can sit and just kind of tool around with it, we're able to get to a point where we're just listening to it and we're like, okay, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. It still sounds like the other thing, but now this is its own thing. Mm -hmm, something else mm -hmm. is going on here and then later you're looking at the creature in episode 10 and you're like oh it's a dog with a bug head mm -hmm. okay in, in its most basic form i now kind of get it mm -hmm. and that kind of expands to all of our other creatures yeah for sure absolutely it's a very similar process that, that we would do and sometimes sometimes we use uh sometimes we do use voice files mm -hmm. and sometimes we're pulling files from SoundSnap. And sometimes, you know, we're looking at the inspiration and things and pulling from other sources. Yep. So you'll have to see what all else we have in store because we got plenty more monsters to go. Plenty more sounds to create for sure. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. All right. So that wraps up our editing questions uh, portion. Thank you all for those questions. Mm -hmm. um, now we have a section which is kind of like a... Um, kind of a commentary as well as like suggestion section uh for what people really liked during season one and what they wanted to see continue during season one um so or after season one rather so what they what they liked from season one and what they wanted to you know keep going um so if you want to read this first one ty because it's from your boy mm-hmm question from reximus <laughs> uh Rex would like to see more of the lore. Translation scenes were top-notch writing. I want to know more about what got fuzzed over while Silas was working. Mm. Very good. Translation scenes. We were, 
we can actually say this, uh, but we were very worried that people would be bored during the translation scene. That's true. That's true. I remember ages ago, we were like, loved is them. anybody even going to listen to this? Yeah, we were so worried that they were going to be the most hated parts of syntax. And now everyone is kind of like, more, more translation, more, more, which we love. We love it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything well, to say about that time? There will be more. <laughs> there will be more. We can there guarantee will be more, there more. will be more translations. We will guarantee and more, more lore and more translations. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. And as far as wanting to know more about what got fuzzed over while Silas was working, um, if you listen, maybe read the transcripts, anything like that, you may notice a pattern with those. So. And just to be clear, you're not going to find like extra info on mm -hmm. the transcripts. It's just you might like sometimes seeing it, you'll be like, oh, oh, I, I see what's getting like. I have a better time or, reading sometimes. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll maybe a visual yeah. perspective to it when you just when you a, see the segments that are always getting just a little knocked helpful out. for you. But also, why would they be getting fussed out in the first place? Mm -hmm. A little weird. It's probably mm -hmm. the editor Fringe. fucking up, you know? Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> likely. All right, so this next one was said and suggested by Rain. Um, Rain says, I really loved how we got some segments of the characters sitting around the campfire and airing out issues with each other, talking about theories and just interacting with each other. It's really nice to either get validation that my personal theories were right or have a character say something that makes me think of previous information in a new light without it feeling like the writer is using the character as a mouthpiece. It also helps keep me invested in every character equally, even the ones who get less screen time, quote unquote. So, mm. yeah, this is, again, one of our favorite parts is uh, just character interaction. We love mm -hmm. having the personalities be displayed. We love the little jokey moments and the theories and everything because, you know, we don't want to make it seem like the characters have all the information ever. They never do, right? Mm -hmm. It's always going to be guessing games. Except We're the Ms. only Bo. ones. Yeah, except for Miss Bo, but she's dead, so it doesn't matter. True. Um, <laughs> Answer's dead and buried. Answer's dead. So we really like that. We really wanted to keep the whole mindset that they don't know what's going on. Like, kind of how characters in a D&D uh, &D campaign don't have all the information while they're, you know, they're owners quote unquote the people playing them have more information <laughs> they're players, they're players. we also call those i forgot the term <laughs> they're owners <laughs> so we we didn't want it to be yes, like my pet high elf robe <laughs> that i keep on a leash at all times <laughs> we didn't want it to be apparent that you know they had all the information because they don't they're going along in the story as y'all are listening to it so they're figuring things out being surprised and being you know fearful of this wondrous new environment and new places that they're going to so that's really important for us i think a lot of times on the outlines we will more talk about who's involved rather mm -hmm. than what's involved we yes. obviously want to present a plot to you guys and we want to have a story that we're presenting but we're doing it through the context of specific character interactions so we'll look at a scene and we'll be like all right who's here mm -hmm. who's mm -hmm. interacting this time and then we get to personalize the information we're presenting through each character and it's less author to listener and it's more character to listener mm -hmm. because of that mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely Very good point and i'm glad we will be able to have more of that as well me too i love just with perhaps less of people them. around yeah sorry rain sorry rain but 
there still will be more <laughs> we promise <laughs> more characters or more stories more stories more talking yeah, yeah. theorizing less characters more stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, next one time the next one was suggested by galland and he said great series creating dozens of theories on what could happen next the breach brings the possibility of boundless bestiaries environments and horror the cast really bonds over the progression of the story also leaving the possibility of a will they won't they I love the ambiguity of that statement. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, I wonder what what they're wondering. Do you will they won't they is? <laughs> <laughs> There's something Stella I... likes a lot about syntax. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe uh, they're kind of nuts. Some of these characters just a little bit insane, but yeah you know, that's that's fun that's fun you know it is neat too that we had this whole breach thing because unlike a lot of other stories there's the vehicle kind of makes itself you mm-hmm. go into a new world and you don't have any genuine idea what's going to wait on the other side yes because sure. we've had three worlds now total mm-hmm. explored because in 18 they go very briefly into the third one yep and each time, while you've had the translation part of the book kind of give you a taster, you haven't ever had the full idea of what to expect. And every time you're going to go into a new place and it's going to be something wonderful, and crazy, and horrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really fun to have those different kind of environments, and as Gallon theorizing. says. Yes, indeed. Love mm-hmm. it. We love it. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Gallon, for saying that. We appreciate it as well. Appreciate um, all these, honestly. Yes. Oh, for sure. We appreciate y'all sending anything once again, like like I said before. <laughs> um, I'm going to kind of take this next one all together since it's more, uh, more basically just saying stuff and suggesting things. Um, sure, yeah. So this next portion is uh, said and suggested by Dallas. Um, he says, the translations are definitely some of my favorite parts. They reveal a lot of the lore while being ominous and eerie. I hope we can continue to get more translations or something that can take their place. Um, mm. Just to expand on that really quickly. Um, yes, more. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, there we, will be more. We are thrilled that y'all love the translations again because we did not expect that, but we are very, very happy that you We like thought them. we were going to have to cut them short. Mm-hmm. We were very excited. And Dallas makes an interesting point that something can take their place in the future. I would I would be on the lookout for that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some exciting plans to come. Uh, okay, next is the same from Dallas as well. I hope to mm-hmm. see more of the creatures from the nightmares slash experiences that the individual breachers have described. So we did kind of talk about this briefly before um, someone had Whether asked. Whether some of the backstories were going to get touched yeah, on again. Yeah, someone had asked if they would get touched on again. Yes, maybe. Who knows? Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> future, uh, future editor Stella can, uh, <laughs> what? can you fix that for us. <laughs> which one do you want, Ty? Which answer do you want? I, I said all of them just in case. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, okay. Next is, I also hope to learn new information about the breach, how it works and what it really is. I think it's going to be interesting to touch on that a little bit more later. Um, we did expound upon it a little bit in episode 10. Yes. 10. 
um, where Cassius and Silas were having the conversation talking about the experiments that they had at Vincula with the breach and the kind of nuances that the breach holds as far as a weird kind of metaphysical um, structure, if, if you will. Um, but yeah, I love talking about the breach because I think it is really interesting <laughs> not to toot our own horns or anything. I know that sounds like that. But um Wow, our story is just the most <laughs> enticing, the most I think intriguing. I think it's very interesting, okay? I and I don't want to present things that aren't interesting to me to y'all because I want everything to be cool, you know? I want it to be interesting to me. And if it's interesting we to me, we don't want to do things because they're trendy. Yeah, oh for sure. We want no. to do it because we love it. And it just just regarding the breach and and everything. There is uh we I was partially inspired just a different piece of media uh by House of Leaves uh the book by mm-hmm. Ty, who's the author? I know you have it right next to you. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Daniel Z something. Mark Z Danieluski. Oh, I was I had it backwards. Mark Z, yeah, Daniel Lewski. Yeah, you were putting Daniel in front. It's, yeah. It's Mark, and then it's Daniel Lewski. I think that's how you say it. So, uh, yes, I'm reading it right now, because yes. that's why the book is back here. Yeah, so House of Leaves definitely has, like, kind of a weird metaphysical thing happening with some of the stuff in that book. So I really grabbed hold of that, and I thought it was really interesting. It's always interesting to study things on, like, a quantum or metaphysical level so really really interesting to and see i have to read this book because i'm catching up on modern literature from 20 years ago (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) um and then the last piece we have from dallas is bring good moths back please we'll see (laughs) your suggestion is being considered we are being we are considering it we love moths though (laughs) they are good moths all right, so next, <laughs> thank y'all. They're good moths, Brent. <laughs> They're good moths, Brent. We really <laughs> loved, thank y'all so much for talking about all of the things that you liked in season one. We really, really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be able to bring you more new things that you'll like and also some, you know, returning things that you liked as well. So very Definitely. good. Um, Maybe. Okay. Maybe. No, we won't. No, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this good next cover, category is uh, questions without categories. So this was just a little uh, thing I put down. If there are any questions that might not have fit Miscellaneous. The previous categories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This first question comes in from Rex, and Uh, I think that this is an astute question. So we definitely wanted to make sure that it was included. Mm -hmm. Rex asks, when will there be a Syntax slash Disney's Atlantis crossover? Mm -hmm. So... Rex Let's also talk about put, this Milo Thatch. <laughs> so Rex also put right after tongue face, tongue emoji face. Y'all know. <laughs> tongue face. Feel free not to use this. I just want to get Stella's goat. Okay. We know. We know, <laughs> Rex. We know you do. Um, <laughs> there's no crossover, unfortunately, unless Disney <sighs> calls me in the next little bit. The mouse couldn't give us... You know, the mouse the couldn't give us enough money. We uh, love syntax too much to sell it. Sorry, guys. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Sorry that we couldn't bring you the uh, Atlantis syntax AU that you were hoping yeah, for. Yeah, maybe eventually. Y'all can write one. There's fanfiction, ao3.net uh, slash syntax podcast. <laughs> um, it's on there. So 
I will read all of them. So oh, you know. I will read all of the fan fictions we get if we mm-hmm, ever get them. Mm-hmm. If anybody feels like writing them, I will read them. We will give you all the kudos and comments. Okay, we promise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so after for anybody that who doesn't joke, have context, mm-hmm. obviously, I think we mentioned it earlier, but uh, Disney's—it's uh, not even just called Atlantis; it's Journey to Atlantis, right? Uh, no, Atlantis Lost Empire. Atlantis Lost Empire. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Um, I had not seen it. It was one of those oh, movies yeah. where I, I could not this. watch it because my family was like, ooh, it's got, it's got spooky things in it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but uh, Stella really enjoys it a lot, like, you know, even now. And we mm-hmm. had a chance to watch it together. And it was like, okay, all right, I see. And I cannot describe to you the feeling that hit me. <laughs> When after making after all the we characters, started making syntax and everything. This was yeah, syntax was already like on the mm-hmm. on the road. Like mm-hmm. we were a couple episodes in, and I'm finally like, okay, everybody's making Atlantis jokes because something's going on here, and I got to find out what it is. And unbeknownst to me, the main character's name is Milo Thatch, yep. which sounds awful similar to some backstory naming that we've been doing for <laughs> one of our characters. Hmm. And I think I could feel my head. Spin at a couple G's over towards Stella's direction. Yeah, I remember. Watching. I remember the look of intensity that Ty had. But if we're honest, I really think, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we struggle a little bit with originality mm-hmm. and I could argue all day that nothing's actually new under the sun. But I, I think we stand really apart from what Atlantis is doing. And the thing that people are picking up on might be some of the naming conventions, but more importantly, the found family vibe. Oh, absolutely. The vastly different experiences from side characters that mm-hmm. may not ever get brought back again that matter in that moment, that give them something to do in the story, even if their screen time is fairly limited. Yeah. And they're all going to work together. You know, it, it it's almost impossible to think that all of these characters would up and decide, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this, you know, stick up for each other. Mm-hmm. But... The whole draw of a found family is they're going to do something crazy for each other that's going to defy all known logistical, tactical odds. And you wouldn't these people would go together either. Exactly. They've known each other for like the equivalent of an hour and a half Mm -hmm. of screen time. But they're going to have something develop between them that is going to be stronger than steel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) We love it. Uh, But if Disney wants to talk to us, uh, you know, you're going to have to up the bet a little bit or up the up the offer. I don't trust that. This is our baby. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. All right. So our next sets of questions are asked by Rain. Um, Number one is what's been your favorite part of working on syntax so far? And this is a question for everyone. So I've actually gathered everyone's answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, I would like us to answer first, Ty. So if you want to go first, that would be great. Oh, ooh, ooh, I go for it? Ooh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, favorite part. You're, a- you're asking mm-hmm. me to take apart my favorite child again and name a specific organ. Like, <laughs> it's... It's all been so fantastic to actually be a, be able to work on this because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody everybody's like, OK, we can't all be starving artists and uh, go out here and write something that's actually an interesting story. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say that uh, 
when working on syntax, I'm always thinking about what people are expecting will happen. Yeah. And being able to write the bits where everything goes so south <laughs> that you don't anticipate it and you're just left kind of going, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Heavy breathing. Are my best, best moments that I always mm -hmm. think about a lot. When it's, when it's the things that go in ways that you wouldn't expect and trying, trying to predict how you think it's going to go and then not going that way mm -hmm. is very good. Yes. What about you, I do Stella? Love those moments. Um, dang. <laughs> I thought I was gonna have like a great answer for this. I'm not gonna lie. And then I, we started talking uh, about it. And I was like, oh no, I love this part and this part and this part and this part. Um, you lost it. You lost the <sighs> listen. Lost the mojo right when the question came it's, up. <laughs> it's very much the same vibe as Ty. I love every part of this, or I would not be doing it. Quite frankly, I I just love all of it. Um, I would say the part I love most or my favorite part would probably be, I would say, oh my gosh, why is this so hard? <laughs> Honestly, I would say the reactions of everyone to people listening, like whenever I can give people like our cast and crew the acknowledgement that I feel like they deserve as far as their work and everything. And I have people who have messaged me and said, oh my goodness, I love this part. And this part was so insane. I can't wait for season two. Or, you know, we just have our, our numbers uh, from ACAST or our Spotify numbers, anything like that presenting that to to the cast and having them be just so floored by it because they a year ago they never thought this sort of thing would happen either you know it's mm -hmm. it's it's very much all of our first rodeo in audio drama as well as just this kind of platform in general and i think everyone is really really grateful for everyone who's been listening and really amazed that it can already touch so many people and that's like that's I think that's the best part for me. That's what it all really comes down to is me making something I love, people responding to it, and then having people that are involved with it being so happy about the responses as well. So I think that's my favorite part. <laughs> um, now, I do have the cast and crew's answers for this as well. Um, Would you like to alternate reading what their responses were? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So I can go first just because sure. and then we can alternate. Um, so uh, their, their answers the <laughs> their answers are uh, far more short and simpler than mine usually. Um, but our first answer comes from Beth, who plays Cassius, our lovely voice actor. Um, they say the table reads were by far the best part. Um, I love the table reads too. We Those will have them all edited and put on Kofi and Patreon eventually. Energies. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> so much energy behind those. So much energy. Uh, the cast getting together was great too. The next response comes from Mo, uh, who is Lizzie in the story. Uh, Mo says, wonderful cast and producers, i.e. bitches. <laughs> and the table reads. 
And this fits because Mo and Beth are insane at the table reads together, and we love them yes. for it. <laughs> they are swapping the brain cell left and right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Mo. Mo is the one that was going to pitch a fit if the love triangle didn't Oh, happen. yes, yes. <laughs> When and then we were Beth jumped on that story. train. Beth came. Mm-hmm. Beth jumped on there real quick. Yes. Yeah, they are so funny. They are great, and it's honestly it's a joy to see everyone reading their lines for their characters. It's it's really really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Then we have Jules, who plays the lovely and adorable Alex. And Jules says, "Bringing the adorable Alex to life," which is a very cute and sweet Jules answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so many of our characters are like absolutely just that brought to life. Yes, by oh, the actors. absolutely, they, absolutely. They do a wonderful. I'm job. so impressed with all of them, especially since for a lot of people, this is kind of like their first mm-hmm. real VA gig, mm-hmm. and we wanted to be able to showcase their talent. They they showed a propensity for it, and now they're getting their chance to show it, and it's been. They lovely. definitely are. They're definitely showing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next answer comes in from Cody, who plays Greg on the show. Cody says, the recording sessions, definitely the highlight of the week. <laughs> and if you listen to our <laughs> bloopers, you can hear why Cody says that. <laughs> they're going to eat my ass. They're going to eat my ass. Jay, they're going to eat my ass. Cody has some of the best <laughs> bloopers on the show. They make me laugh so hard. And he is just a hoot. Whenever we're recording together. So I love our recording sessions in particular. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely agree with Cody. They are definitely a highlight of the week. <laughs> okay. Our next one comes from Elgin who plays uh, Jeremiah or Jay. Um, he says, honestly, I think it's the crew as a whole. Um, he says that everyone has been a great, been great to work with. And for this being a first for everyone, I don't think there could have been a smoother learning experience than this. Mm. Um, so I agree with that kind of expanding on what Ty says is that, you know, everyone, no one has done this before. This is our first roadie as far as producing an audio drama, audio fiction at all. And it's everyone's really first crack at voice acting. But I think everyone, as Elgin says, I think everyone has had a very smooth learning experience. Everyone's done a great job improving and I think it's really shown for them as well. So. Mm-hmm. It's been good. <laughs> been good. Been good. I can't <laughs> believe that it's still going well. Me neither. To Me be neither. It's, it's, it's a great show. So we are happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, next response comes from Kai, who plays, uh, played. Rip. Uh, moment of silence, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's enough. That was Miss Bo. Uh, <laughs> Kai's response is, mm, I'd say probably meeting so many new people. And it's been a blast voice acting, or sorry, voicing a very different personality from myself. Almost therapeutic. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Kai... We have to apologize to Kai profusely a lot mm-hmm. of times because mm-hmm. Kai is a sweet person in real life. Yes. And then the thing is, though, is that her voice lends itself to that villainous aspect. And or she is so like good that. at playing Bo. She is so 
amazing at Bo. And it's, it really, every time she takes a line, I'm like, oh, I want to kill you. I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) 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 So I I often have to apologize to her and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Kai, I promise, I promise some other show we're going to get you in as a a wholesome, sweet person. Cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll Cinnamon vibes roll. for Kai at some it's point. Just, for sure. It just sounds so good, mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. off. We're not trying to typecast you, but it does sound it really does good. It does sound great. Um, okay, then we have, last but not, certainly not least, uh, Renee, who plays our lovely Mama June that everyone loves and adores. Mama June. Um, Renee says, meeting and getting to know so many unique and funny people and watching as everyone grows and gains experience with their talents. Again, I think this is like, We kind of are finding our own found family within the TSP team. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, no. There's a found family (laughs) on a found family. Oh, goodness. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with with, uh, Renee there. It's definitely everyone has grown a ton and love working with everyone as well. So, Mm -hmm. yay. So, that's been everybody's favorite part. We'll return now to the mainline questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, More questions from Rain. for miscellaneous questions. Yes. Uh, is there anything you do differently knowing what you know now? Yes. No. <laughs> not start on <laughs> premiere. Okay. Start that, on but I'm audition. Not the editor, so. <laughs> also, get everything done before it goes out to. Yeah, before the weekly production period, we're we're gonna uh, experiment with that, aren't we? We're gonna try to get yes. the whole thing batched out and then do it instead of. Do you know that's something that we didn't, haven't really mentioned a ton? I wonder if people know. Oh, Syntax it's because it's because I was, was going made. for this next question. Oh, is it talked about a little bit? Oh, advice, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I I was okay. Let's go ahead. You ask that question, and then I'll mention okay. it because. It is kind of loved. So, do you have anything differently that you do now, knowing what you no, know? No, I'm, I'm, that? I'm serious. I, <laughs> I don't think you need writer duet because I write on writer duet. Yeah. Um, uh, but initially, we used Google Drive, and I think you can use Google, well, Google Docs through mm-hmm. Google Drive to uh, make your scripts and stuff. I don't think you necessarily need a good script writing software. It definitely helps a ton, and I would recommend it. Um, but as far as doing things differently, um. From my end, no, not really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there were there were th- things along the way, and there were learning experiences. Bumps in the road, you might but... call them bumps in the road, but it, overall, I would still do it the same way because I would still want to get to the same place. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely understand that for sure. Um, okay, so the question, the next question that we kind of want to tie into this previous one is: What advice do you have for people who might be thinking about starting an audio drama or podcasting in general? So, what we did for Syntax Season 1 is basically, (laughs) as the show was coming out, we were writing Season 1 a few episodes ahead. We were generally four to five episodes ahead in writing Mm. terms at any time. Um, But we didn't have the whole thing done. But we didn't have the whole thing done. And the most pertinent piece of information is we didn't have all of the voice lines or the editing done before um, the, yeah, the episodes, like before the season happened. If, if you think about that from a timeline perspective, the way season one was done, an episode would get written. And then as soon as it got finished and edited, Stella, Stella helps me reread and edit uh, 
and so once we're done with that part, it goes out to the cast. Mm -hmm. Then they have to get the lines into us. And then the lines have to be edited in audition and put in. And then the Foley has to be acquired. And then the episode has to be shipped. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you think about we were always four or five episodes ahead, that means that we only had about a month or two gap to play with. Yeah. Because there's two weeks between episodes. Um, and Not <laughs> by the, the time we got thing. to the end of the season, that gap was getting real tight because we, we burned up some of butt. our. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we were burning up some of our extra room. We weren't we weren't five episodes ahead by the time episode 18 was in production, which um, altogether wasn't entirely our fault. There were some extenuating circumstances, but and we and we we prepared for that sort mm -hmm. of we, we had that episode gap because we were like, we want to come out every two weeks. But we understand things can happen, so we've got these these three or four episodes that we could fudge on and say, okay, if this doesn't get done this week, it gets done next week because we're already ahead mm -hmm. and we're mm -hmm. just working as much as we can. But it still burned the time up pretty fast. Yes. So <laughs> we shall be experimenting with a different production style next week, next yeah, batch um, production. season. So yeah, hopefully that will kind of minimize the issues there but and that might have benefits for our listeners too yes oh for sure for sure um but other advice for people who might be thinking about it just do it honest yeah. to goodness just embrace it if you have a story that you feel like will come across well in an audio drama format or even if you just have a story and you really want to tell it just do it because honestly there's there's so much that I would be regretting if I did not just like ask Ty, hey, do you want to do a, a podcast? Maybe. <laughs> um, it, exactly it's, how it went down. Yeah, it really is. It really is just so simple as a question, like asking to a friend or even just asking yourself, like, oh, do I want to tell this story? And if the answer is yes, then I would advise just trying your best to do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be like the biggest production piece ever. People will want to hear it. And if you believe in a product and if you, you know, put your whole, your whole breath, your whole life's energy into it, <laughs> then <laughs> not to sound dramatic or anything. We can see where Silas gets some of that from the creator. <laughs> but um, honestly, if if you if you believe in it and if you feel like you you need to tell it, then do it. That's that's the best advice I can give. Um, other than that, I honestly would tell you to reach out to people, too, because the audio mm -hmm, drama community definitely. is very, very great. They are always willing to help people. They're always willing to give advice and they're always willing to network and kind of reach out a hand to you so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do not be afraid to ask other creators or other voice actors you're inspired by to you know aid in your quest you know if you want to if you want to set out to make something you can do it and it, and it would be great i promise mm -hmm. my only advice would be uh same thing stella said get started um put a pen on paper get an idea down grab people find like-minded individuals or mm -hmm. find a way to produce it yourself uh i can't couldn't really speak to podcasting in general because talk shows are a very different vibe from what we're trying to do <laughs> we don't do that 
Um, but if it is something that you are interested in and you have a passion about it, the way that it gets going is by sitting down and starting mm -hmm. at some point. Don't sure. don't say tomorrow I'll make that thing of my dreams. Do it now. Do it Start now. at this exact moment and get your story put down. And the other thing that I would say on the other side of things is once you get started, just be prepared to accept criticism. Mm -hmm. And oh, I don't mean absolutely. that to say like it's going to be awful. It's just you make what you People like to make. Help. but be ready yeah people there are constructive critics out there like don't don't take the advice of people who are like gonna be like this it's sucks yeah right it's don't not, don't it's listen not to how that. it works but do be prepared to accept when people are like okay this could go a certain way or this is something to look for or this is something mm -hmm. to consider you don't have to accept it all but be receptive to it yes, be prepared absolutely. to be like okay this could be altered a little bit and it could be better for it there's mm -hmm. a lot of experiences out there and blending them into your story can often benefit it a lot more often than it could hurt it. Yes, absolutely. And just like Stella said, especially if you reach out within the audio drama community, we have met very few people who we wouldn't want to work with. This yeah. community has been very inviting, accepting, helpful, friendly, just all around great people to get advice from, to get stories from, just to get inspired from, just mm -hmm. to hear praise from, anything that it could be. This community has been doing a really great job of it. Absolutely. And then at the end of the day, um, when you actually make your story, it can be a little bit of other people, but you can be happy that you made something. Mm -hmm. The The joy of making is a big part of this. Oh, absolutely. It's nothing, something like that we nothing both put else. a lot of heart into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. I think that's good for that mm -hmm. one. <laughs> we delved into that one we a little did. bit. We did. All right. Uh, Opened up next? about it. Sure, sure. Uh, the next question, another one from Rain. Uh, what's been the hardest part of starting out making an audio drama? And are there any difficulties that were more specific to syntax? Mm. Well, with the latter part of it, I think we touched on it with the production timeline that we had. I would say that was more specific to syntax. Um, especially season one probably yeah i don't think we're gonna i think have that, that was more just a background future. style yeah. yeah but uh as far as like what's the hardest part of starting out was i think i know probably... it's difficult oh go ahead i i think you're gonna agree too when you really think about it i think that we overestimated how tough the number of people we brought on board were gonna oh, be oh yes not uh, in terms of like dealing with them but just having to have that many characters expounded within this story like mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. so much audio work and so much editing and syntax, so much sure. story stuff a lot of other ADs, you'll probably notice if you listen to them, have a much smaller cast. Mm -hmm. There will be a lot of supporting characters, but we like to say there are six breachers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a couple of others. And six is a pretty fat number when you really start to yeah. think about it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think we're the only ones with that many characters, but a little more specific to syntax. It's like, OK, this this ain't no one and two. A full you know, cast one person AD talking is a definitely a, a feat. Whew, it's been a challenge. Yes, but it, it's been I think we've had the best learning experience because of it. Honestly, we. Oh, yeah. We've learned we jumped so in the deep end much. Of the pool. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> definitely could have been a little bit easier on us, for sure. If we had thought about it for doing our first show. But I was. I know if I take full responsibility for that because I was absolutely sold on syntax being a full cast production from the mm -hmm. time that it was written in on paper, the title was placed. I was like, this is a full cast. So, um, mm -hmm. 
that's definitely that's definitely a difficulty specific to syntax for sure. Um, as far as the hardest part of starting out making an audio drama, I would say maybe the uh, logistics side. Um, yeah. It's a little bit more involved as far as like the production. Uh, I used to not appreciate like people calling themselves producers because I was like, what does that mean? How does that, how is that a job? And now I'm a producer and Ty's like, Stella. <laughs> how I'm do so you do sorry. this? <laughs> um, I would how say do you organize that, all this stuff? Yeah, there's a lot of organization. There's a lot of um, technicalities as far as distribution and um publishing goes so those are actually two different things i didn't know that either when you publish an episode it's only published to your rss feed which is your um regular audio feed from your um from your distributor i suppose um and then there's distribution which is where it goes out to different platforms like uh spotify apple music or apple podcasts and everything like that um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of little pieces involved in that. A lot of little things that you kind of have to do a little bit more research on, um, as well as like social media presence. That's something I really struggle with because um, it's just part of the game now. You have to you have to learn how to be more present on social media and be uplifting your show and your cast members and all that's great stuff and i love networking and everything like that but it de it's definitely a more time-consuming process than a lot of people might mm -hmm. think so indeed <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like making you know like like ty and i were saying with the previous question it's kind of like you, if you just do it you'll figure out your way and you can always ask for help that's something that I've never been ashamed to do. I always ask for help mm -hmm. if I need it. So if I have questions, let me reiterate, because I know Ty was going to yell at me about that just then. <laughs> I felt it in my bones. If I have questions, I'll ask. The gun was pointed to your head <laughs> Yeah. Time. If I have questions, I'll ask. If I need help, I probably won't ask until someone, until I'm like desperate, which you should not do. You should ask for help. <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid. Like we said, don't, don't be, afraid be afraid to accept critiques or help. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. So this is the last question from Rain that we have. Um, what's mm -hmm. your favorite breach beast, TM trademarked? <laughs> Jellyfish. Jellyfish, Ty says. I, I, I like it. that. I liked that critter a lot. Jellyfish was cool. Jelly Do you want to explain so the far. episode and everything? Uh, from episode 16 at the end when it yoinks Jay skyward, mm -hmm. making a wild noise, and the breachers have to bring it down and rescue their long lost medic. <laughs> That one was really cool. Yeah. Kind of a one-off. Uh, you know, it doesn't... I don't yeah. I don't think... Well, you know, some of these may get revisited, some might not. But I think that uh, with that one, it was, like, really just very cool sounding in the end. Almost unexpectedly so. We want to mm -hmm. make something really interesting every time. But that one was one that we stood back when we were done, and we were like, that's really good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> we were really happy with the jellyfish, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I shall say... I'm going to do a nerdy answer because uh. it's going to be about the editing. I'm sorry. <laughs> My, and I guess the scene in general, my favorite is the Thunderbird. And that's because mm. I love, love, love the scene when Silas is scooped up after tripping on his feet like a dunce. That was the first great action that sequence, was the I first like. great action sequence for me as well and i really loved 
And don't get me wrong, I thought the Astonessi scene was great too. I loved making that scene. But the Thunderbird scene was so high intensity. I really just really love doing it. And also I always think about it whenever I think about like how far I've come in editing. I, I feel like that's where I started to get it. I started to have that click in my head where I'm like, oh, this is how you edit things. <laughs> this is how you make <laughs> things sound decent. Like, <laughs> so I love the Thunderbird just because it's, it's, it was a cool idea too, making it, you know, thunderous noises with its wings so that it fritzes out the microphone and all that kind of stuff it was really cool. So Two great answers. Well <laughs> done, us. Woo! <laughs> All righty. All right. Another set of questions. This one asked by Dallas. And the first one says, do you know how many seasons you want to do? Hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do know. Yes, we do. <laughs> Would you like to read the next question, Stella? Yes, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> next question <laughs> is... Is syntax going to be the beginning of a larger universe or self-contained? Oh, this this is one that I feel like we should answer and not like obviously not be spoilery, but yeah. hoping not to be spoilery by answering. OK, go ahead. But I, I do feel compelled to say something because uh -huh. I don't want to fall into the sequelitis kind of thing yeah. where it's like, you know, it has to have another one because this is the first or this is the biggest or this is the blah, 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 blah. Um, at the same time, here's here's the thing. I've mentioned this before on other streams. Syntax is a self-contained story. Yes. It is designed to be that way. You're, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that at the end of it, you get this crunch, you get this one satisfying thing. And the story fins. Mm -hmm. That said, I don't think any ending is ever going to give you every person or every aspect's ending, mm -hmm. right? Whether characters make it through, whether they don't make it through, whether their fate is ambiguous, whether they, we know exactly what happened, but wonder what else could have gone on. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that with syntax, whether the characters go on or not, there is there is some plot devices inside the story that have ramifications for a much larger audience, you could say. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if I wanted to do a, if you wanted to already call it that syntax two, mm -hmm. the syntax protocol. <laughs> <laughs> the syntax protocol. Um, you could do that because like, if, if, if a breach is a thing, then it has, problems for other people probably mm -hmm. something something else is going on with that and there's things that we can do with that um that said i don't think we necessarily have like a, a, a dedicated plan to have offshoots and branches and the sequels and things yeah. like that it's it's more just it could but syntax one is self-contained yes ultimately if, if, if i had to choose one or one or two of those answers it's like yeah. it is self-contained absolutely if syntax had to end it can end on a good note and not leave you purely being like okay i've got to know where this goes yeah i need it's not more. gonna be like that yeah. it's gonna be like this is you this may is need how more goes. because you want more but you don't need more because you need to know more necessarily because we left you we left you in the dark mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> i agree i agree with that <laughs> Okay, so this next question. Um, wait, did you ask that or did I ask that? I think I asked this, uh, the last one, okay, right? Okay, okay. I think so, I think so. Um, if you had unlimited resources at your disposal, i.e. 
money, time, and staff. Is there anything you had you would have changed slash done differently? If so, why? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I <coughs> I would have bought everyone studio quality microphones, a yeah. sound booth, uh-huh. and more money to give them. <laughs> yeah. The, this has been a project of passion yes. a lot of times. We we are very grateful for any support that we get. Mm-hmm. But it, it is funny because I definitely agree with Stella. If we had unlimited money, I wouldn't even necessarily go get other people. I like who we have. Oh, I love who we have. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more that we would just equip them better because a lot of people are using the best setup that they can that we're able mm-hmm. to because none of us are really actual professional in this field we just have varying budgets that we can spend on it on our own to make this happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i mean as far as staff sure it'd be great if we had like an actual foley like a department social media manager like a social foley. media manager a, lo- a lot of the extra stuff mm-hmm. that bigger studios can have because they don't just need somebody to make a story and somebody to put the story on audition and somebody to actually voice the individual characters mm-hmm. which is essentially the three people that you actually bare bones need yeah um we would be able to have a lot of folks that do very important stuff to make us bigger to help us out we would be able to have the equipment things like that but yeah that that would definitely be the biggest one wouldn't mm-hmm. you say is just like better mics because making it sound good does matter to a lot of folks yes 100 percent and if the time was different, I think if I had unlimited time at my disposal, because he mentions like, you know, if that's mm-hmm. another resource, I think we would have started batch production sooner. Oh, absolutely. I think we really wanted to just get syntax off the ground because technically speaking, if we had just waited for it to be written and produced, it wouldn't be coming out until last month. Yeah, which would have been so long. We just wanted to get it moving and mm-hmm. get our work out there. And but now now that we have the benefit of a little more time, we're like, OK, we're going to make the whole thing and then put it out to you guys yep not not all all syntax but like you know a season <laughs> sorry not like, everything boom, boom. is coming out next week or sorry next yeah no next week yeah, i was like season two release date next week <laughs> <laughs> that's a little fast for me even <laughs> yeah i think i think i think that's a good answer i think i think i would say the same thing like mm-hmm. with unlimited money we would just be like okay can somebody uh like cook my meals for me <laughs> yes oh my gosh <laughs> can I get an if i had someone so i could just keep working <laughs> if i had someone who was in home chef and just like made me food so i didn't have to go get it or make it oh that's all i need in life honestly we are those kinds of people that sit at our desks and can sit here doing this for hours because i i can't stress enough it sounds pretentious but we really love doing this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we want to make this a thing that we do and it it, it, we're putting all of our hearts our souls our minds into making it happen and time and time Mm -hmm. as much as as much as is to spare that we can give that Mm -hmm. isn't dedicated to keeping us alive yes (laughs) absolutely yeah i definitely Definitely think that would be our number one, for sure. Number one things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, oh, I think this is in reference to the previous it one. It is. It um, is. But I will end it on it because mm-hmm. this sounds like a, a sweet way for it to go out. P.S. The above question is just out of curiosity. I love the show as it is, and I think everything has been great. Just curious as to your thoughts on it. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate you guys thinking about us and we're happy that you guys think it's great because if you've listened to this Q&A for the full time span, you must have some kind of fascination you with must. it. must. <laughs> we are so and we sorry. Are, 
thrilled. You, <laughs> you listening to this right now are some of our favorite people. For no sure. Lie. Absolutely. We, we appreciate you so much. We are We're so, so glad that happy. you're along on the journey for us. We are so happy that you have, yeah, been on this journey with us and that you continue to hopefully listen. And we have so much more to bring you. We promise more with, and not just with in syntax. syntax, more with Twin Strangers Productions. We have more coming. We got more. Yes. <laughs> so um, I would like to just thank you all again for listening and let us know if you have any other questions. Uh, we are on social media. We have a Discord now, which you can find also on our Twitter um, at mm -hmm. Twin Strangers P. And yeah, just thank y'all so much for giving us the support. And we hope you continue to enjoy Syntax, the characters in it, and Twin Strangers Productions of what we have to come. So, mm -hmm. all right. Ty, you want to say a finishing piece there? Thanks for listening. <laughs> Until right. next time, strangers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's got to be a little dramatic, you know. <laughs> Silas is real, everyone, I promise. <laughs> Help, everyone. I am Help. trapped here in this establishment. <laughs> I need you to call the police. Uh, I would like my mother to be notified. <laughs> immediately i please. need to get out of here <laughs> <He's trapped. laughs> i am the only sane person here please this is not me true out. he's also insane <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much for listening and we hope that you enjoyed and we'll see you in season two mm -hmm. thank all you right. all so much bye bye Season 2 of Syntax is coming soon. Stay tuned for updates on our Twitter, at TwinStrangersP, our Tumblr of the same name, and our subreddit, r slash syntaxpod. Thank you, and keep your ears open for more to come. Brought to you by Twin Strangers Productions.